It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My husband's missing, listening to it. I nearly crazy because she's such an cutie. I've gone through at the home of my representative that I'm driving at to the hall, so yeah. they can't get the answers. How are the people going to get the answers? They know how hard I work, and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you wherever you are, whatever you're up to Friday morning. We're uh, on the eve of the big bank holiday weekend, the busiest weekend for travel all over the country, in and out. The tourists are arriving in their thousands saying, well, didn't think we'd need to bring an umbrella. Um, and some tourists even saying, what's an umbrella? Uh, that's how we live here. If you've just arrived, welcome. Cade Mila Falcia, Agastoshe. Uh, Gahana Fluk uh, De Saharn by the looks of things Miserable weather as you heard Is said to remain throughout the bank holiday weekend Met Aaron issuing three status Yellow warnings uh, Instead of the country basking in summer sunshine As it did on many weekends uh, In August down through the years It'll be a washout for particular parts uh, Including Cavan in the northeast And the entire province of Connacht Well into tomorrow Not good if you're holidaying there uh, not good if you're at the Galway races, but it looks as if we're going to get away with it. The national weather forecaster is warning of spot flooding. Oh dear, sorry, I take that back. Poor visibility and difficult travelling conditions. In particular, Cork, Kerry and Waterford could experience very strong winds. North to northwest, bringing gusts of up to 110 kilometres per hour. That's it, get the monopoly out, that's for sure. Now, other stories that caught my eye this morning... Um, Thinking you've had a good night's sleep is more important to your mood than actually having a good night's sleep. This is according to a new study. Uh, Researchers found that instead of paying too much attention to hitting your sleep target, simply feeling as if you slumbered well has a bigger impact. So this is if you drag yourself out of bed in the morning, which you can kind of convince yourself, yeah, I had a pretty good night's sleep, actually. (laughs) doesn't make sense to me. Um, A team apparently of over 100 people uh, aged between 18 and 22. Well, there you are. The odds are stacked against us. To keep a daily diary about their previous night's sleep, this recorded details including what time they went to bed, how long it took them to go to sleep, and how satisfied they were with their kip. Five times throughout the following day, they were asked to rate their positive and negative emotions and how satisfied they were with their life. Participants also wore an actigraph on their wrist, which measures a person's movement to estimate their sleep patterns. Researchers compared the actigraph data with participants' perceptions of their sleep and how they felt the following day. And uh, the results, which are published in the journal Emotion, revealed that those who simply felt like as if they had slept well were in a better mood the next day, even if their sleep quality was actually poor. 
So there you go. Just spend a 10 or 15 minutes in the morning convincing yourself that you had a good night's sleep, even if you didn't. Apparently it seems to help with positivity and energy levels throughout the rest of the day. Barbie, which is the feminist movie of the summer, has broken all box office records. Uh, so many people talking about it. A lot of people indifferent to it. Some people I've been talking to said it was pure rubbish. Many people feel that it took them a couple of days to actually get the real message behind the movie. Um, this family-friendly film about a doll that comes to life apparently has become a benchmark for TikTok users to judge the suitability of their partner. Women are being urged to ditch men who do not understand the film's messages about feminism and patriarchy. This is an article in the Irish Daily Mail today by Dolly Busby. Uh, The craze has been driven by TikTok users who insist that agreeing with the feminist themes in the Barbie film, quote, should be standard in a relationship. One wrote... Take your boyfriends to the Barbie movie and if they hate it, dump them. Another said in a video, liked 800,000 times, I think taking your boyfriend to Barbie should be your relationship test to decide if he's a good long-term partner. And another user added, I think it's perfectly reasonable for women to break up with their boyfriends for their negative reaction to the Barbie movie. One woman even cancelled her first date after the man refused to wear pink to see the film. She told TikTok they had to make an event out of the cinema trip by wearing pink outfits and posing for photos together. He refused to cooperate, and so she called off the date. Anyway, interesting. I'd love to hear what you thought. Have you been to see the Barbie movie? Um, Margot Robbie and uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, highly pinked up there, that's for sure. Uh, bleach, starched hair. Uh, if you're a kind of a real-life Ken or you're a real-life Barbie, or you just miss the message that so many women particularly seem to be taking from the movie, uh, let me know what you think, please, because I'd, I'd love to hear it. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't criticise it, but it's just not my type of film. 0833 96 96 96 for your texts and WhatsApps. Now, uh, lots of people are looking forward to Cian Ducrow, the young man from Passage East in Independence on Sunday in Mitchellstown. It's going to be an amazing gig. Uh, but first of all, have a listen to this. There he is, Cork's favourite superstar. Um, that's a little taste of what's to come over the weekend in Mitchellstown. And that was last night he took to the stage. Kira Murphy joins me. Hi, Kira. Good morning, Garris. How are you? I'm very well. This was quite unexpected, wasn't it? It was, yeah. T- tell me it was what, lovely tell evening, me what happened, yeah? Um, so I was in work yesterday and I seen up, I'd be following him for a while now on TikTok and Instagram and listening to his music. And I seen on his story that he was um, doing a pop-up concert in town um, at the top of Oliver Plunkett. Um, and then later on he put up saying see you at 7pm so I was like to my mum we'll go in and see him so um, he did a pop-up concert anyway you know just kind of out of the blue uh, just to kind of debut his um, album because it was releasing last night at 12am mm. and yeah. what what was the reaction when you got there from the fans Were there, did many people cop on or just, just cotton on to the, the idea that he might be there it wasn't too busy. I thought, now, you know, we made it in for about half six and I was going, we'll never get a space, but it wasn't too busy. But then it just kind of came out of nowhere. People were walking past and they were going, what's happening? Do you know, there wasn't, because he didn't really make much of a deal of it. Yeah. Um, so people were like, what's happening? We were saying, oh, Keen Crow's coming on in the minute. And sure, then the crowd, it got busy then. 
there was big enough crowd, but everybody was great. You know, there was no roughness. There was nothing. It was it was a lovely crowd. Like everyone was just there for the music. And how long did he play for? He played for I'd say roughly about twenty minutes. He 20 only played minutes. about four songs. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Did he have a band with him, or did he he just turn up on stage on his own? Just himself on wow. on top of the balcony, and um, he had two um, cameramen out on the balcony with him. But yeah, he just stood there with his guitar and his mic. And he was brilliant. He sounded exactly like his. Do you know what he would on the radio? What you yeah. um, hear? He wasn't anything different. You no, know? and he was a great personality as well. Like he was really down to earth. You no, know? he was mad interacting and just having the laugh with us. Joe's so lovely. That sounds great. You're a bit of a super fan. I wouldn't say I'm a super fan, but I do love his music, so I yeah. wouldn't be fangirling, Jackie. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah, no, I would be a fan of his music. Yeah. yeah. Are you getting Victory? This is the new album. It's out today. Um, I'll probably download it on Spotify. I wouldn't yeah. be big into you know buying the albums stuff. I would be into Spotify really. Yeah. Seems to be the trend, all right. Well, look, I'm delighted. Are you going to go to to Independence over the weekend? Um, I haven't made up my mind yet. I haven't decided. I mm. know there's a few tickets floating around the place, so I might. I might pop down Sunday. Okay. Well, look, enjoy if you do go there, and I'm delighted you caught him you. Uh, there unexpectedly last night. Thanks a lot, Kira. No problem. Thanks a million. Take thank care. You. Thanks a lot. I just want to thank Kira's boss as well for letting her take the call. I know she's very, very busy, uh, but uh, thank you, boss. So uh, he's there on Sunday night. I think if we're going to get any bad weather, I think it, it'll be tonight overnight, probably a little bit of tomorrow. So I think uh, for independence, things are looking good for the mid to the later part of the bank holiday weekend. Certainly Sunday and Monday looking pretty good. And we'll, uh, we'll actually be talking to our favourite meteorologist very shortly about the prospect of a big storm blowing in. We're not too sure. We think it might have moved back out into the Atlantic, but we'll know for sure very, very shortly. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Just driving through Cork City earlier this morning, it feels like as if half of the world has vanished. <laughs> There's just nobody on the streets this morning. And I'm looking at now at Patrick Street from the studio window here, and I can see two buses and nothing else so uh, it's a great morning if you're if you're home and uh, grounded for the weekend or maybe you're just taking it easy and chilling it's a lovely day for a walk um, and particularly Sundays I love I'm looking forward to a walk around the city on Sunday morning now uh, if you were meeting someone famous and you wanted to bring them something that is quintessentially cork what would you bring them it's an interesting question Say, for example, you were going away to meet the other half's relations and they were maybe from another country and you're heading over to spend a little bit of time with them. What would you bring them just to give them that sort of essence of Cork? That's the question Mary Jane has asked on her at the Glam Chop Twitter page. Let's see if we can help her. Hi, Mary Jane. Hi, Gareth. How are you? 
I'm very well. I was thinking that what you could do at the moment is you could send them a bottle of tap water, but make sure that it's sealed and they can't open and drink it. That would be cork. <laughs> that would be very cork. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yesterday I was meeting Ekin Sue from Love Island. So mm-hmm. she was in Cork. I was interviewing her for uh, my role um, in High Style. And she was just coming over and I was going in to do, you, you, you're familiar with the process. You go in and you do a 10 minute um, press interview. But I wanted to bring her something that was quintessentially Cork. Yeah. So she is um, English and her family heritage is Turkish. So... I had a couple, I was like racking my brains and I said, you know what, I'll ask Twitter because if you ever have a dilemma in your life that isn't serious, Twitter is the place to do it. Mm-hmm. So I, th- th- she was, she's over because um, Be Perfect or Opening opened a brand new makeup store in Cork. I'm obsessed with makeup. And so I was on the street and I was going, what am I going to do? So the first thing I, I did was I said, I have to get her a bottle of Tanora. Oh, so yeah. I went into... Tanora lemonade. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. So and loads of people had come on saying you have to get her a bottle of Tanora. And then there were loads of other things like uh, Lennox's fish and chips and, you know, uh, a Rebel T-shirt or a Cork jersey and all those kind of things. So anyway, I went in and I was thinking, God, you know, there aren't a lot of kind of like shops in town that you can just go in and buy a drink. So I went into Fitzgerald's there in Pembroke Street and I got her a bottle of Tanora 500 ml. Then I went to Auntie Nelly's sweet shop and I got her some Hadji Bay's. Turkish Delight because I thought isn't that an interesting one Mm. because are you familiar with Hadji Bay's I think um, I went into Auntie Nelly's there about two weeks ago and I was I think I saw them in there Yes. Now I haven't seen them so, for years. We used to when we holidayed as kids in Blarney they were a kind of a staple diet once or twice a week Yes so um this guy, um, an Armenian, with his wife, um, a guy called Harutan um, Batmazian, um, came over in nineteen to nineteen in Cork to Cork in nineteen o two, and um, they set up in Cork City. They set up Hadji Bay's, and it's actually still available now. It's produced now in Kildare, but it, it is kind of rooted, really, very much in Cork. And from Cork, they actually sold it into Harrods and Bloomingdale. So it's like a world famous product and it's a real artisan thing so I thought it has a Cork connection and it has a Turkish connection so that's why I brought it that so she was delighted um, Hadji, she Mary Jane Hadji Bays just for those who may not have heard of Hadji Bays give us a brief description it is a Turkish delight so it comes actually now you can buy it in a box or you can buy a little um, you can buy it in a little bag um, and it, it is a traditional um, Turkish delight. It would be, it's not like the bars of Turkish now that you buy in the shop. It's um, it's the one with the, um, it's covered in icing sugar. And um, it's it's just a very, I suppose, it's a, a little bit opulent. Mm. Um, and it could, if you're buying it, like they sell it a lot in the English market as well. They probably sell a bigger selection of it um, in the English market. But when I was in Antinelli's, I was like, this is probably the most Cork thing. Because like they have, they had bars branded um, with Cork on them and stuff like that. But I just wanted, you know, she was only over for to open the store. She was only going to be in Cork probably for 24 hours. So there was no point in getting her anything like, um, you know, a piece of Blarney Crystal or anything like that. It had to be something that she wouldn't have to 
you know, carry with her. But I think if, if you were going abroad to somebody, um, like, I know I have two brothers abroad and like, if we're going over, you know, one of the things they love is, you know, the powdered curries powder that we that we have. Oh, like the yes. Nora curry powder, yeah. one of those, Aaron, mm. or the McDonald's curry powder. Like they'd always ask to bring that and they'd always ask to bring potatoes and dairy milk and stuff like that. But that's kind of different than if you're like abroad, abroad, you know. Mm. Um, but if it was somebody that you wanted something quintessentially Cork, it's, it was kind of, I was like, I was stumped a bit. Now I knew the Tanora and then I suppose the Cork jersey and those kind of things are a bit more, a bit of fun. Um, but I couldn't see, she's a very glam girl. I couldn't see her wearing a Cork jersey. <laughs> right, Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and there was there were like I mean there were loads of other um, suggestions that came in. People are, were really passionate. They were talking about um, things like um, you know you know that artist Jason O'Gorman. Mm-hmm. You know he does all the kind of the the um, art for Cork. So loads of people were saying you know to get to get um, to get her one of those. Um, and I'm just looking here now at some of the other ones. A real Cork is the real capital T-shirt. Um, Tripe and Drasheen were like so many people and there were people posting pictures of Tripe as well and I was like oh god and there's um, yeah, but like I suppose definitely the, the Tanora was the main thing and then people were saying a packet of Shandon sweets a can of Beamish a mm. cake from Brackens Joe's Farm Crisps oh yes Hassett's Joe's Farm crackers. Crisps definitely Hassett's Crackers definitely but did you see I don't know if you saw this but Sarah Jessica Parker was in Ireland recently on holiday and um, she had Horgan's um, deli meat on her Instagram. And she also had um, Charleville cheese. Oh. And she had Super Value York cabbage in the packet on the on the um, on her Instagram as well. She was just talking about all the things she loves about Ireland. And she had a McGee tweed blazer. But the cork things that she had were the Horgan's deli meat and the Charleville cheddar. And it's gas because, Gareth, we'd take that. Like if you were going in now and... You know, um, if your wife said, "Oh, will you pick up cheese for a toasty?" Sure, you just pick up the Charleville. You wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah. But for we forget that when people are coming over here, it's like a, it's a real immersive thing for them. You know. That's so true. Of course, she has like a little cottage in Donegal, I think, which would probably be explained the the yeah. McGee clothes and that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then people were kind of saying donkey's gudge cake, the golden fried chipper. Oh yeah. Rare whiskey from Middleton. Um, Clannacilty black and white pudding. I was just going to say that you can't leave that one out. Yeah, that's it. Casey's Barry's tea. Um, and they, you know, and ta- loads of people were saying ta- Tanora, and people were saying, then could you bring the Frank and Walters to see her and John Creedon? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they were just the ideas were brilliant. But when you think about it, all the things that we have, I mean, um, to be like grateful for and proud of in Cork. It's brilliant, like. Yeah. Um, but definitely the Tanora was a, a must, and I, I'm a bit of a fan of Tanora myself. Um, I, can I suggest another one? Keith Anderson, who was on the show yesterday, he's an artist, you know, Keith. Uh, some of yes. his fantastic paintings. And, uh, you know, you, you can... You can go. I'm not sure. What, I, if, I think if you go onto his t- his Twitter page, you'll you'll be able to find out where you could buy them. But they're the most beautiful, beautiful paintings, and uh, they'd be well worth um, scrolling up, maybe, and popping into your bag. I'm just, do you know, I'm, yeah. I'm curious about meat and that kind of guilty uh, black pudding. Can yeah. you can you take meat abroad with you now? I know you could take it years ago. Yeah. 
See, I don't know. I think if it's vacuum packed, maybe. But just with the way that the baggage is and stuff now, I don't think uh, I'm not sure you can. Mm. I mean, I know certainly when I go to visit family, it's all kind of dried product. Um, but there's loads of I, I think like there's um, a service called Paddy Box as well that you can order. Now, I don't know if you can order meat on it, but you can you can send say my um, friend, her brother is in uh, works in the UK. And she regularly just sends them over these paddy boxes and they have the crisps and the chocolate yeah. and all the stuff, mm. the Irish kind of stuff in them. But I, I don't know about meat. I think I, I'd be very, I'm actually just really funny about that anyway. I, I'm the type of person I do my grocery shopping and I'd be timing myself to have the meat home. I buy the meat in the butchers, like not in the supermarket. Mm. So I'd be, <laughs> so I'd be a bit funny about, about sticking it. But I, I think a few years ago, my cousins were home from England and I'm sure they brought a load of white pudding back with them. Yeah, and I think because um, I remember years ago uh, sending friends uh, a, a crate of stuff, and there was uh, there was Galti uh, sausages and rashers in it. But yeah. uh, but unfortunately, um, when we got to New York, uh, the bags didn't come through. The bags had been sent somewhere else, so the bags arrived. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, you get you, you can see where I'm coming from here. Uh, <laughs> the sausages were nearly cooked. Well, they they the bag did arrive about seven days later, <laughs> and apparently I wouldn't risk that now. it had gone to somewhere like instead of New York, it had gone to New Delhi. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, I think they just threw the bag out. They didn't even bother opening it. Um, what yeah, about yeah, yeah. some chocolate from O'Connell's? Yes, that's somebody else is saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually didn't, I didn't get over there because it was on, all, all, the new shop is on Oliver Plunkett Street. That's kind of where I was meeting her. So I, um, I yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't see that tweet actually um, until afterwards. But I was, um, yeah, so she was very happy with her Turkish delight and her tenor anyway. I hope she enjoyed it. Yeah. She was, um, she, I think she met about, I think there was about 300 people outside the shop um, afterwards waiting to meet her. And I think she, she took a photograph with every single one of them. Ah, wonderful. As far as I can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to see um, It's nice to see something coming into the city again, Gareth, as well, you know. Yeah. Particularly in makeup. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my kind of... That's your passion. gig, but um, yeah, definitely. Um, if there was one thing, just one thing you could take away with you, now, you can't take a crate or a box, no paddy box here. You can just bring something okay. that's quintessentially cork, Mary Jane. What would it be? I'd say a bottle of Tanora. Over and above Barry's tea? I don't drink tea. I'm okay. one of those really weirdly freaky people. I don't drink tea <laughs> oh, right. at all. That doesn't make you weirdly freaky at all. Um, yeah. yeah. And did you ever drink tea or... No? Never. Right. Never. No. And I, I actually only started drinking coffee, I'd say, in my 40s. Would right. you believe that now? And are you yeah, an yeah. instant coffee person or would you go for no. the... Oh, oh, right, forget okay. it. No, flat white all the way. Oh, yeah. I, I have a, a machine at home that, that you can make nice coffee and I, I wouldn't... I'd rather have a, a bottle of water than an instant coffee. All right, okay. Fine. I do love the little sachets of flash, flat white, mind you. They're on sale in a couple of the supermarkets. Can't mention the brand, but they're lovely. Anyway, listen, it's lovely to talk to you as always, Mary Jane. Have a great weekend. You too, See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Now, um, bank holiday weekends, the biggest weekend of the year, apart from Christmas weekend. And this is uh, certainly a a test of um, your kind of expectations. Probably a lot of people planning for the last 12 months to go away this weekend. And the last thing you want is bad weather. So, is the weather good or bad this weekend? 
Um, and what about the talk, all this talk of a big storm coming? Let's ask the man who knows, and I know this is a very busy morning for him. That's Alan O'Reilly from Carlow Weather. Good morning to you, Alan. Okay, he's not there just at the moment. That's fine. The problem is that, as you know, certainly in the last 12 months, uh, weather is a situation whereby you open the curtains in the morning and that's when you know how accurate your predictions have been. And I have a whole load of weather charts here, um, which are kind of telling me that most of the bad weather appears to be uh, happening in the north of the country. Uh, Now, if you were looking at me here, I look a bit like Martin King with the hands going left and right. But uh, the north of the country uh, is going to get the brunt of most of the rain, I think, over the weekend. But uh, very strong winds as well. But then that's changed. That has gone slightly to the left and it looks as if it's moved out towards the Atlantic again. Alan joins me now. Morning to you, Alan. Morning, how are you doing? This is, um, it's a kind of a, a highly skillful art of anticipating what we can expect, isn't it? From your experience, it seems to be changing all the time, doesn't it? Yes, well, trying to predict a storm that hasn't even really developed and exactly the track it's going to take is a struggle for the weather models, but there's fairly good agreement on the track of it um, coming in now this evening tonight. Um, with the heaviest rain arriving this evening in the uh, the south, so probably from five six p.m. it's going to start turning wet in Cork, and then uh, a very wet night ahead. But the rain will clear the southwest first, which is the good news, I suppose. It'll arrive first, but it'll clear first as well, and then winds picking up um, with some very strong winds early in the morning. So where, which direction will the rain move in? Will it move northeast, or is it just going to go up along the west coast? No, it's going to move right across the country. So it's going to go east to northeast, and then as the system goes uh, through, it'll kind of pivot back. So the, the rain is on, on the north at the top of the storm centre, um, and as it kind of pulls away, that rain then will pull on the back of it, so it'll be the east that'll get the worst of the rain as the system exits. So, kind of moving through the country west to east, really. So, I'm conscious that a lot of people here in Cork and County Cork will be leaving the county for the weekend. Just looking at, say, for example, uh, if if we're heading for Dublin Airport for flights tomorrow, what sort of weather can we expect along the east coast? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be be very windy in the morning, um, but the good sunny spells will follow, and the winds will slowly ease. But it will be very windy in the morning with some strong gusts. Uh, the strongest will be in the south, but still windy in the east as well. Um, but as I say, good sunny spells following behind. So once the, the rain clears, it will be wind for a few hours. And then later in the afternoon, a much improving day. OK, uh, let's move on to Sunday. We have the huge Pride Festival on Sunday here in Cork. Uh, good weather for that, good or bad? Yeah, good sunny spells on Sunday. Um, not pure sunshine or anything, but good sunny spells. There will be a few showers, but most of them will probably be further east and north. Um, so not not too many showers. So it'll be kind of sun cream and ponchos, but hopefully the ponchos can stay in the pocket a lot. Um, it will feel cooler in the northerly breeze, but the sunshine will make it feel obviously warmer. But when the cloud comes out and the sun goes behind that, it will actually feel quite cool in the northerly breeze. But no, good sunny spells for Sunday. And the Independence Music Festival now in Mitchellstown in North Cork. Uh, what will be the best days? Would Sat- Saturday, Sunday, good days? Saturday evening and Sunday, pretty good days, yep, yep. Uh, drying weather, is it a good weekend to hang out the clothes? When should we do that? 
Yeah, once the rain clears really on Saturday, there will be good drying. Um, now, you might want some extra pegs early on Saturday. <laughs> but uh, after that, there should be good drying, plenty of opportunities for drying and hopefully maybe a window for some harvesting for the, the crops for the farmers mm-hmm. um, on Sunday. And final question, just wondering, um, I noticed, I think it was in the Sun newspaper yesterday, they have targeted August 10th as the beginning of a lovely sunny spell of, uh, of great weather. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, well, I shared a chart showing and I jokingly said that summer was going to be on a Thursday this year because the tent does look like a good warm day, but it looks very, very short-lived at the moment. But we are likely to see some very warm air moving up uh, Thursday. But generally, the rainfall after Monday, some more rain on Bank Holiday Monday, after that, the rainfall amounts don't look too high for the rest of the week. Um, And as I said, some very warm air on Thursday, Friday, but it does look very short-lived. Okay, and then looking, stretching further ahead into August, can you give us a prediction on that? Yeah, very uncertain on the weather models, really beyond the middle of the month. Some chances that high pressure is trying to push, but it has tried a few times and the lows keep winning out. So if I was back on a farm horse, I'd be hard to see the highs winning at this stage. But hopefully, eventually, the high will win out, but it, it could be beyond mid-month now. Okay, great to talk to you. Have a good weekend, Alan. Thank you. Cheers, thanks. Uh, that's Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather there. So there it is in a nutshell. Uh, pretty good. Get the weather out of the way tonight. The bad weather if you're in West Cork or maybe South Kerry uh, or maybe you're uh, caravanning along the coast. It's going to be a windy, wet night tonight. So it might be a good time to get the Monopoly out uh, or, or maybe get to the off-license early. Now, um, I, this is this is something that it's kind of played in my my, my mind overnight. Uh, Mahan Point Shopping Centre, uh, plenty of car parking spaces. It's a, a, a shopping centre I really enjoy going to, and uh, I've seen some great films there over the years as well. But uh, something happened yesterday, and I, I just I'd love your opinion on this. Okay, um, as you know, not only now do we have disability car parking spaces, but most shopping centres all over the country also have added parent and child bays. These are wider car parking spaces so that mums and dads or guardians or grands and granddads can get the little kids into their buggies safely alongside the car uh, with a little bit of additional room rather than being packed into a normal car parking space. So yesterday, a car arrives looking for a disability parking space. The car had a disability uh, sticker on the window, okay? Officially, that that sticker was there. And uh, he couldn't find... Now, he was an elderly man, and it was clear he had a disability. He couldn't find a disability parking space, so he made a move to go into a vacant parent and child bay. Now, just at that point, a guy came shooting along, said to him, whoa, 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 this is a parent and child bay. It's not a disability parking space. So the guy rather abruptly drove into the parent and child bay and disregarded the interests of the disability driver. Um, He then got out of his car. He had children in the car, but then he closed the door and went into the shopping centre without the children, leaving them in the car. Now, from what I could see, they weren't very young children. So, who was right and who was wrong? Now, obviously, he could have had the decency to allow the disability uh, driver, they were a couple, man and woman, to park in the parent and child bay. 
But uh, I was looking up the rules of parent and child bay parking, okay? For example, a spokeswoman for Tesco Ireland said, parent and child parking spaces are are designed for extra room and convenience for parents who have children with them when they're shopping. Uh... Super value say these designated parking bays provide additional space for parents to remove and place children in the car in a safe manner. So the whole idea is that they're there for you if you have to take the kids out, put them into buggies and then bring them into the centre. My understanding is they're not there if well, they're not meant to be used if you're just going to leave the kids in the car. You can pick anywhere. So clearly this guy just saw it. Ah, handy space. Put the, put the car in, leave it there, be back out. Um, don't know what happened to the disabled driver and his wife but they uh, had, there was a bit of a confrontation actually because the guy in the car who got the parking space was quite rude but what do you think? Uh, who's right? Who's wrong? Have you had a difficulties yourself in parking particularly if you're entitled to park in either of these parking bays? Have you had confrontations? Has it got nasty? Um, are you a kind individual who says well you got there first so keep it? Let me know. 083 3 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. I'm getting money. Oh my God, on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Now, yesterday we spoke to the great Katrina Toomey about the hardship some families experience with back to school, and it made one of our listeners, Audrey, quite angry. Morning to you, Audrey. Good morning, good morning. Um, How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Um, um, I hope you're looking forward to the weekend and I hope you have something that will take your mind off back to school and prices and bills and everything like that. Although I I don't think anything takes your mind off that stuff these days. No, definitely not, definitely not. Do you know what now? It was actually heartbreaking Mm. listening to that lady yesterday. That's what kind of prompted me to kind of um, make a bit of contact, do you know now? Because um, we're on our knees we are. We really are, like, you know? Like, when you think, like, the, the, the basic things for survival are shelter, heat, food, and water. Mm. And, like, we all know what's going on with the, the prices of, like, accommodation and people being evicted just because, you know, maybe a landlord wants to make more profit on the next tenant. You know, the heat, the heating and the fuel, that's what's really getting to me at the moment. Yeah. Because, you know, all... Yeah, sorry, go on. No, I, you know, I was just saying, I made that comment to Katrina yesterday that um, many people in the run-up to the return to school with books and uniforms and mm-hmm. all the, ex- the, the, yeah. the extra sort of curricular stuff they have to put money aside for, many people are now making the decision not to pay their electricity and gas bill because they exactly. feel if I leave it for a month or two months, I'll be able to catch up. But for many people, they can't catch up. No. Because mm. there isn't, there, 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 like, you can't give what you don't have. 
Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. You know, like I said, the, the 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 four basic needs for survival, really. You know, you have your shelter, your heat, your food and your water. Like even the food, like it, it, bro- it just broke me when, when I first went up to the supermarket and I saw security stickers on the meat. I've the never fact seen that. that people, really? God, yeah, go yeah. into any supermarket. Little, like like I shop in Little and Lidl because obviously they're, they're the most economic. Like, and at the end of the day, if you can't afford that, what do you do? There's, yeah. there's no there's nowhere cheaper you can go. Oh, listen. Oh, yeah. Go in and you see for yourself. There's security tags on the meats. People have had to start, obviously, started to steal. Like, you know, like I know there was always stealing. Like, you know, people robbing a pair of trainers or some jumper or whatever, do you know, now in shops and trinkets and stuff. But food, when people have to start stealing food, what does that tell you, like? And only thank God for the water protesters when we had them. Can you imagine if we had a bill coming in now for water oh, as well? Oh, God, yeah. I still get shivers and when the, I think back to those days. Yeah. Mm. And you know what now? I think they were just, honestly, we need to applaud them because they were. there are saving grace now. Because by this time, if that had gone ahead as it would, our water would have been up for tender. Mm. Our water now would have been sold to some private company, and yeah. w- w- like that, that would have been it. That would like, honestly that because we're just so, like I wouldn't even say we're on the edge now. We've all fallen over the edge. We have. We and really have. You, you made a really good point there, Audrey, because it just goes to show what people power can achieve, and yes. it's, it's the likes of um, some of the the individual individually elected independent politicians and councillors who drove that through and got the people behind them. Mm. I think in living Mm. memory, and I've been here for quite a while, I can't remember the last time that happened, that the people literally stood up and said to the people behind the water meters, no, we're Mm. not paying. We're not having it, yeah. Yeah. See, do you know what? Now there's power in numbers. Mm. There's a lot more of us than there is them. It's like the bully boy tactic. You know what I mean? Beat us down enough uh, and we'll just submit, you know? Yeah. Like what Like what I texted to you there now yesterday with, like, the electricity and the gas companies. Like, they are now, this is what, no, like, obviously, I'm no expert. I'm far from it. But I read there now, or I heard on the radio, that they're actually, say, getting in that energy now on that fuel for 50% less. Yeah now than what they were getting in the past when we were all paying just our regular bills. But yet they're charging us, like our bills now are well over 100% more. Mm. Well over. I don't know the exact, you know, the exact number, but they are well over 100% more. Yeah. Like that, that like, not being funny, like that, like we've been held to ransom. Well, we got an electricity like bill. We got an electricity bill there last week. Now, remember, it's the middle of summer, okay? So the yeah. days are longer. You don't need the lights on. Uh, we mm. tend to use the air fryer and the slow cooker. We try to steer away from the traditional mm. cooker. Yeah, um, myself too, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the thing about it is if the television is on, you don't need the lights on with it. And, and yet mm. the, the mm. electricity bill for a semi-detached house came to €250. Euro. 
Like, that, sorry, now, but someone needs to check that. How, how, how can that be? Well, that's something to have I'm... the telly on in the evening, say, yeah. because like a lot of people, they, they, like, there's no electricity running through the house. All right, the odd time, maybe the washing machine, no, sorry, you know that I kind of thing. I stand to be corrected. It's a <laughs> it's a hundred and fifty euro. Sorry about that. That's my but fault. Still, though, but it's, but it's still, still, like, how yeah. how did they come up with that number? Yeah, because I remember. Do you know what two I think? Ago, my solution. Audrey, yeah. yeah. Two yeah, sum- sorry, two go sum- on, carry That's on. okay. Two summers ago, I compared the bills and the summer electricity bill was something like €62. Euro. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's actually, it's doubled. It's gone up, it's 62 up to about €140. Euro. Well, um, there you go. And yeah. you're watching it now. That's the difference. Yeah. Oh, completely. That's the difference because yeah. back in the day, you just flicked on, you were forever saying to the kids, turn off them lights, turn off that this, you're not, you know what I mean? And that and whatever. But like we used to use it willy nilly before. Yeah. Whereas now we're watching it and yet the bills are still coming in that much. Mm. I know. Well, what you we know? do when we get a cold when we get a cold evening now, what we do is just all take turns and stretch up alongside the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or do you know, like all like because what I was finding myself doing was just putting on the heat for an hour, yeah, and then switching off again. And I found no, out seriously, that's the worst I was like, thing you, you have can to. do. Yeah, but that's the worst thing you can do. It, it's actually cheaper. I was reading up at all of this, like you, trying to figure out ways to kind of cut back yeah. on, on unnecessary bills. Um, putting on the heating for an hour, effectively, mm. it's the same as putting on the heating for about three hours. You know, so you're better so, off yeah. leaving it on for a little while just to generate a bit of real heat. But um, I yeah, just Yeah, I don't I know, though, because it's the anxiety then. Yeah. Your anxiety levels are through the roof because I can nearly hear it ticking in my head. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way thinking, oh, God, do you know? Mm. It's like, no, on for an hour, quick, turn it back off. Yeah. Well, do you know, that, you know? We're hoping now the bills will be lower from the autumn, although it's like this is, we're already into no. autumn now, but it doesn't look as if it will but, be that case. Yeah, but, but what's stopping them for bumping them up again? Because do you know what now? It's like testing the waters. They've done the dog on it and no one did anything. Yeah, so they well, can do what they want. If you look at private health care, Leia has been bought by AXA um, mm. for millions. I think it's 700 million. AXA, the car insurance company, are now going into private mm. health care. They've bought Leia. But they're now saying they're trying to delay an increase in premiums until the new year. Um, so, like in Senator. Mm, so, you know, it's all piling up here. It's like a domino yeah. effect. And people can't give you what they don't have. Mm-hmm. It's sucking the soul out of people. Yeah. People are depressed. The suicide rates will go up. Children will start being reported for being neglected. Yeah. Because, like you said, if it's one thing, it's either food or the heat. And if the heat goes up again, that's less food. People, Children are going to be going into school unkept looking. You know, and then that's going to be reported. Kids are going to be taken into care. Honestly, it's going to be a vicious circle. They're killing us all off slowly. And I think myself, mm-hmm. this is my solution with all these electricity and gas bills. They obviously need some kind of a license to trade in Ireland. Mm. They need some kind of a license from the government. The government should pull their licenses because they take, I don't want to swear online, but they're just taking the mick out of, of us all. They're obviously, do you know what I mean? And I think they should take all their licences. Either give them a warning, say you either cop yourselves on, bring it back down to a normal affordable rate because you're making the biggest profits you ever made, ever, 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 in the history, I'd say, of, of, of it all. And if not, 
the license are revoked and you put out a new tender for new companies. Mm. Yeah. Simple as. If, well, if, if it was that simple, but it's unfortunately not. It's a very, very complex situation, you know. Um, oh, I don't um, know. Listen, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, the government are the ones in charge. Mm. Take they can, you, we all know they can do what they want when they want with a click of a finger if they, when they have to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I Can't mean, be that hard. I, I know alcohol is a luxury, but Diageo have announced wonderful profits again, despite the fact that they're putting the price of their products up. Um, the middle of August, 14th of August. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, and just, you know, we were talking there yesterday about childcare and creches. I mean, it, it looks as if... All closing. Uh, all, closing. all closing. Yeah, all closing. Yeah. But all the, because I was going to bring that up as well. Like, I'd be watching there now and there's businesses, but they're like personal family run businesses. Some businesses that have been running for generations their doors are all closing. Like we have a jewellers there in the um, the parade there in Cork City. Now that's, oh, 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 you know, something took me tongue now, I can't think of the name. And that's closing. But if you notice, people who like either have to close their business or decide to close their business, they're not selling the businesses. Before, if you decided you were hanging up your coat, you know, you sold your business on. Mm. But they, they're not selling them because no one can afford to take them over with the costs. And also... People, are, people are are they've no choice but to shop online because that's where the savings are, and you know yeah. we'll all say yeah we want to we want to support local produce local companies, mm. but when mm. you can, for example, I'm passionate about books. I love books. I've written a few books, and I just absolutely okay. adore you know vibes and scribes. Just wandering yeah. in there and just spending yeah. hours yeah. looking around. Yes. And sometimes you go into the new bookshop that there in Vibes and Scribes and you think, oh gosh, I, mm. I didn't realise that book was out. But then somebody tells you, ah yeah, I bought that online and I got it for half the price. And you're thinking, yeah. well, God, the, I, I, yeah. I could save 10 euro if I buy it online, but I'll still buy it mm. in my local bookshop. Because if I don't... Yeah, I think it's know. the luxury of going in looking for it and being excited to find something. You don't get that buzz online, I think, as, as much. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's the going in and the hunting for it and, and all the sensory things, you know, like the smell of a new book and the paper bag, they put it into it. That's all part of the sensory enjoyment of it too, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what Really, the, do you know? Do you know what the busiest distribution van in Cork City is at the moment? The Amazon Prime oh, van. Oh, of course. You yeah, see course, it everywhere. Yeah. You see it yeah. everywhere. Do you shop on Amazon? Mm. Um, do you know what now? I'm a bit old school, but I ha I must admit now I have started to yet. Yeah. But in a way, because, how could I say, if you go into the city, you know, like you'd have just say maybe your bus fare. But, you know, if you drive, then there's the, the added expense. You're trying to avoid the added expense of the car park and things like that. Whereas before, like a couple of quid for the car park wouldn't even enter your head. It wasn't a problem. You'd go into town, you'd have your coffee. You'd say, oh, I love a bit of lunch. You'd make a day of it, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas Andre because you're penny pinching, you can't really do that anymore. That's true. Just the simple pleasures, you know? It's been great talking to you, Audrey. And, uh, yeah, you too. You and me, we hope things get a little bit better, although that'll take a, they have take to. a while. They have to. Sure. And it's the elderly I'm worried about now for yeah. the winter. Very, very much so. We'll you come know? back to that. Yeah. Have a nice weekend. The kill and you, take care. Take care. Bye That's now. Audrey Daly there who emailed the show. Some very good points in her email as well. The minds are live. Oh, hello.
Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Post 96FM. Now, PJ will be back on air in the hot seat uh, next Wednesday. So uh, uh, it's a long bank holiday weekend and I'll be here with you again on Tuesday morning. It's Gareth O'Callaghan on the opinion line. 083 396 96 96. Some of your comments, huge number of comments. I kind of gathered this would attract a good reaction. Uh, some of you very, very angry in relation to the... The incident I witnessed yesterday at Mahan Point Shopping Centre, the family parking spaces, they're known as parent and child bays, and they're usually alongside the disability parking spaces, both reserved by the centre or indeed by the supermarket for very specific reasons. And uh, the parent and child bay is to allow the parent that little bit of extra room left and right of the car to make sure that their little kitties and their babies are securely put into their buggies or whatever they might need to do with them. And then, of course, the disability parking space, you have to have that uh, official sticker on the windscreen of your car or you can't, uh, you can't use it. You will get into trouble and you can be fined. Now, unfortunately, these spaces are not policed all of the time. So people randomly abuse the privilege and park in them. And I mentioned that yesterday witnessed um, a guy taking on a, an, an elderly man with a disability and saying, uh, you should stick to your disability parking space. You can't use the parent and child bay. Parent and child bay was empty. Disability spaces were full. So this elderly man and his wife thought, well, the parent and child bay is free. We might use that. Uh, no, the guy got quite cynical not hostile, but uh, started saying, oh, you're a great man, aren't you? You're a great man. That type of cynical reaction. And then he drove into the parents and child bay uh, in his SUV. He had kids in the, the car, but they stayed in the car. So he was availing of the parent and child bay when he could have used any parking space. And you know how many of them are always free in Mahan Point. Um, Mick says, that guy sounds like a real A.H., Jimmy says that guy that took the spot is clearly a non-understanding bully that has never given a helping hand to anyone, anybody in his life, a selfish bully. Margaret says, I think the man with the children was very, very wrong, whether the elderly couple had a disability or not. Well, they did, Margaret. Um, out of respect for your elders, I think, well, he was an ignorant man, says Margaret. Martha in Black Rock says, hi, they are both wrong regarding access to the space, but for the sake of courtesy, I think the gentleman with the disability could have used it. Parents are sick of having to forego these spaces to others with no car seat using children. Uh, these spaces are also super helpful for pregnant women, <clears throat> excuse me, because we struggle to get out of our cars when we're pregnant and can even sometimes hurt our bumps. The parent spaces should be kept for parents who have car seat dependent children and for pregnant women. End of story. Policing of disability spaces is badly needed in retail for these very reasons, as there's a statutory entitlement to these spaces. Now, just clear the old voice. Yesterday, I read a, a very long and detailed and very passionate letter from a gay man about his experiences of fear while growing up in Cork. And we got a truly tremendous response from listeners. We're going to talk to Kate Moynihan from uh, Link Lesbians in Cork first because she was struck by 
both the sadness of the letter, uh, but also the amount of hope that it channeled through at the very end. Good morning to you, Kate. Hi, Gareth. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it it was one of those letters when we, we looked at it, we thought, well, we can't reduce this in its content because it tells a story. So we decided that we would read it. There was a huge reaction to it from parents, from other individuals who could relate to the experiences of growing up knowing you're gay but being absolutely adamant you weren't going to tell anybody for fear of what might happen to you. What did you think of the letter, Kate? Um, I suppose, Gareth, when I, when, when I listened to it, it was, I was just struck by, you know, this man who felt so strongly that he wanted to write into you and, and to share his experience of when he was a young fella and what had happened to him and the bullying he'd experienced. And I suppose, you know, it's like like he actually experienced, you know, physical, mental, sexual abuse in, in, in his time in school. Um, and you know, that, that, that creates, like our teen years are formative, you know, how, how we experience that, how we experience our school life. Um, goes on to you know create who we are are as adults. Um, he talked about you know being anxious, depressed, embittered. Um, his relationship with his family being a bit. Um, he, he, you know he wasn't as close to them as he could have been because he created distance with them mm-hmm. um, because of the pain and not expecting to be accepted. Um, I, and I think we really have to watch this in in our lives um, going forward, in our communities, in our societies. Um, our young people really need to be supported now. Um, like that was an Ireland that we all hope and hoped that we had left behind. Um, we saw, you know, marriage equality, like we all remember those wonderful photographs from Dublin Castle and and the experience, you know, of... of um, I suppose the joy that was there in 2015 with the marriage equality referendum and the success of that, and then went on to have marriages. You know, um, heterosexual people were going to those marriages, going to our marriages, thinking, wow, this is just amazing. And mm-hmm. and I think we really need to see how positive, you know, things have changed in Ireland and make sure they're, you know, they don't disappear and, and that we can build on that and move forward Um I think, but uh, you know, when I say about the hope, I know that man said, "Don't f- don't feel sorry for me." You know, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Um, but he also talked how about how different his life would have been if you know if he had support and information and all of that. Um, but but at the same time, you know, he 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 has gone on, lived his life, um, and and is thriving. Yeah, it's the one thing that. Oh, Kate, I think he's. I think he actually said he survived rather than yeah. thriving. You know, but um, yeah. Hopefully, every all young people, all young, whether whether they're heterosexual or LGBT, can drive going forward. Yeah, I. You know, Kate, the, the 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 message that came through to me, so many different messages, but one of survival, as you say, he survived. But the one thing that stayed on in my mind after reading it was the fact that I don't I have no idea how old he is or what stage of life he's at now. Yeah. But there was a whole period of life when we go through that whole individuation process that he had to put on hold. It was almost like as if he had to say to himself, I'm not living. 
I'm 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 somewhere here. I'm a ghost. I don't exist like other people exist, and I don't know when I'll be given a chance to start living. Yeah, I, I think he he said as well that he wasn't. You know, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't interested in boys or girls. What he was interested in was in Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah, and. You know, for for like, yeah, it just develop develop as we do. You know, through through our different ages, um, and get to be who we are. That we get to learn more about ourselves. I think you know, it's so important just to be left alone, to to just to develop, to learn, to to find out about yourself, to explore, to you know, just become the people that we're, that we're meant to be, you know, that we don't mm. have to de- deny ourselves going forward, you know, that we don't have to deny ourselves in any part of our lives, that we can actually just, I can say I'm a lesbian, I can, you know, say I'm gay, I'm trans, whatever, you know, that 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 we have that freedom and that we learn that it's okay, we're okay, there's nothing wrong with us, we're perfectly perfect, you know, in the in the way we are. Are there elements of that letter yesterday that are still they're still essentially part of twenty twenty three living? Uh, they are, of course. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, um, while we've had all that, 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 I suppose it's really important to say that we've made huge advances in mm-hmm. Ireland in a very short period of time. Like Pride at the moment, you know, it's thirty years um, celebrating uh, decriminalisation. So. And before that, you know, men could be criminals. So we, we've come a long, a long, long way in a short period of time. Um, here in Link, we work with lesbian, bisexual women. And we work in all different areas, but, you know, around health, and whether it's mental, physical, sexual health. Um, but what we, what we provide as much as anything is a place for people to be themselves. That they're, you know, if, if they meet homophobia out on the street, they can come in, they can talk to us, they can find a place to actually sit down, have a cup of coffee, to be in a totally safe space where they can be themselves. And unfortunately, we are hearing more and more about um, homophobic, transphobic incidences happening all around Ireland um, and much more so, you know, around the world as well. Um, but we we really have to be cognizant of, the, of, of that. Um, those incidences... Like, you know, I'm fearful at times. I'm a 63-year-old woman, you know. I've been out since I was 20. and But but at the moment, there is a lot of, certain, you know, we're hearing more and more negativity. Um, and and I think we need to challenge that. And thankfully, we have pride on, on Sunday. Mm. So we can you know, take to the streets and have that, you know, pride in who we are, that we're not ashamed of ourselves, that we... You know, we're full citizens of this country. We're we're no different from anybody else else in that. And and building towards, you know, having full rights. I think, um, you know, that's all re- really important. What was it like? And we get that chance on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. What was it like, Kate, coming out um, in the early eighties? Ireland was a horrible place back in the nineteen the nineteen the early nineteen eighties. I mean, people were. Yeah. You know, New York and Boston couldn't welcome enough Irish people. They were no. they were arriving in their thousands every week. For a homosexual, yeah, um, for a lesbian, what was it like to actually say, I'm gay, in 1980 Ireland? 1980 Ireland. <laughs> um, if I can remember back, um, 
Well, I, I actually left Ireland. I was one of those ones who went away. I mm. went to Denmark, um, you know, and literally found so many, you know, Irish Irish women who were in the same situation as me. They were gay, they were bi, uh, they were lesbian. And I found my own friend set over there. I'm, you know, I know for lots of people, they they had to get out of Ireland. I suppose I wasn't, I didn't feel, I felt I just needed to go and grow. Um, so for me, it was, I came out when, when I was away. Um, but, and I came back then, that was 1980. I came back when I was in 84 um, to, to sort my life out, basically, to get a job and do all that type of stuff, which was difficult in the 80s. Um, but there, there was always, I suppose, while all of, all of you know, um, as I say, our, you know, men were criminalized. That had an impact on women as well. It had an impact on, you know, you know um, being parents, being mothers. It had an impact on them around custody, around children. It had that impact of us being hidden and we weren't seen. Um, we had our own social social spaces, um, I suppose, in each other's flats, really, at the time. Yeah. Um, that, um, then I remember in... You know, Loafers was here in Cork, unfortunately gone now. That was a huge community space. Um, and we could, you know, we could meet there. You know, we found each other, basically. But I didn't come out to my family. I didn't come out to my parents um, until many, many years later, that fear of rejection. And I know young people are still going through that. They're still afraid of of that rejection, um, that they'll be judged. And... Um, so you know, we there are certain elements of it. While it was difficult, but uh, I also have to say it was fun too. You know, we did have parties. We we did that 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 great. You know, getting to know each other, getting into relationships, getting our hearts broken, and uh, you know, and, and like everybody else. Um, but then you know, obviously having to hide and feeling one had to hide. Um, you know, like that man, he said, you know, how it affected his relationship with his family. And I'd say, I could say it affected um, me me in the same way, you know, that um, because of keeping that that secret, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have been as open with my family. I wouldn't have been as close with them. Um, and does, you know, that, does, that, that, does that cause a sense of, of does that cause a sense of resentment that that some some gay people carry through life with them against their family, against their their, their relatives. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it's a resentment. I think it's a hurt. Yeah. Um, you know that that they've experienced that that they they may have been forced to go away. Um, in that way, they may have been thrown out of home. Um, you know, we. It's a, there's a book um, that was written that's been written recently and published called Slant. It's by Catherine O'Donnell, and it talks all it talks about leaving leaving Cork, going to Boston around the whole AIDS epidemic for for gay men and the amount of men that left here. Um, you know, when we when we didn't acknowledge what was going on in in our community because we were. You know, we were all criminalised, really, mm. and and you know there was something wrong with us. We were taught, considered to be mentally, mentally insane. Um, you know, it's all and when you carry that hurt, I suppose 
you know, all I, the, the real thing, I, I suppose, Garrett, is like looking forward, going forward. You know, that was the past. And we want to move away from that past. We don't ever want to hear these stories again. We want we want an Ireland that, that started to be created, I suppose, really that positiveness in 2015. And we want to we want to build on that and keep going. You know, no, I don't think anybody, anybody listening, you know, wants wants that Ireland where we were, you know, dismissed, invisible, suppressed, you know, criminalized, um, beaten up. Mm. You know that that I don't think anybody wants wants that type of Ireland anymore. I hope they don't anyway. I really, you know, I think I think yeah. we have to be positive as well going forward. I fully agree with you. You you reminded me there when you were talking about you know the the mental illness tag that was attached to so many gay people down through the years back in 1966. Yeah. I always remember this story. Um, the um, American. Uh, National Conference of Psychiatry was taking place, I think it was in San Francisco and uh, they decided to try to pass a motion that gay people should be treated psychiatrically with medication but Mm. they dropped the motion when they discovered that almost 60% of the audience was gay (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, you you couldn't make it up you couldn't, no you know (laughs) Anyway, yeah. and I also remember uh, the late Vincent Hanley. Um, Vincent yes. Vincent went to London. I can't remember the year, but obviously he was he was the greatest radio DJ in Ireland back in the late nineteen seventies. And I think it was kind of an unspoken secret that yeah, he definitely was gay. A lot of people felt he was gay, but he, obviously coming from a rural background and coming from a family, deeply religious family, he decided not to tell anybody. And I remember him saying to me, um, gay men, and obviously at that stage, you know, the whole lesbian issue still hadn't been, as it were, broached. But he said gay men from country towns and villages in Ireland come to Dublin for the anonymity and Dublin men go to London for the anonymity. And I just thought that was an extraordinary thing to say. It was such a reflection on Irish society back then that we we weren't really living. Were we? Um, no, like that, that, I suppose we were living when, when, when we moved, mm. that was the thing, you know, and, and I've, I've, I, I didn't experience this myself, but I've often, you know, met people who have, who would have, like that, they moved to the different county. They move, say, if somebody's in in Kerry, they would come to Cork yeah. to at the weekend to to meet people. Um, so no, so you're at home all week, living, um, living a lie, living a lie. But 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 I suppose you know it's a forced lie, really. Yeah. It's like that fear of being seen and and to be, you know, you're the weirdo. Like that was it. You were the weirdo, um, and you know, for comments and and um, the fear of rejection, the fear of like, like, um, you know, your family aren't going to talk to you. Your family family are going to dismiss you. You're going to be isolated, like the only gay in the village type mm. of thing. Yeah. You know, and um, so I think I think it's yeah, people, you know, not living to their full life put it like that, um, not living, I suppose, not thriving, as that, as that man said. Um, 
and that's what we want. That's what we all want. We all want to live lives that we've where we've no regrets and we can live, you know, a positive life and just get on with it. You know, we're not. We're. It's not that we're. <laughs> I remember people saying, you know, it's like. We're, we're as boring as everybody else, really. You know, we have fun and we do all the things, but we yeah. go to work. We go to work every day. Um, those of us who are lucky to be working and, you know, we pay our taxes. Those those who have houses pay mortgage, we pay our rents. We do all the exact same things mm-hmm. as heterosexual people, yeah. you know, and and it's about, you know, letting us live and, and do that. That's the important thing. Kate, it's great talking to you and thanks for joining us this morning and and have a wonderful day on Sunday. Lovely. Thanks, Gareth. All right. Take care now. Take care. You too. Have a great weekend. Kate Moynihan there. Uh, from Lesbians in Cork, L-I-N-C. Now, we're going to stay with this. Obviously, a huge reaction. Um, texts and emails to that letter I read from that gay man yesterday. So we're going to come back to it shortly. We'll take a break. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Feeding Cork families with delicious Griffin's New Seasons Queen. Cork's 96 FM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, we've been discussing various aspects of that very detailed and very passionate letter that I read out to you on yesterday's show from um, that gay man. And we've been talking to various individuals who, I suppose, took different impressions and found different, gleaned different meanings in that from the letter. It was a very detailed letter about this young man and the difficulties he faced awful difficulties as he was growing up. Podrick Rice is Policy and Research Manager with LGBT Ireland and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Podrick. Good morning, Gareth. Um, What was your impression when you heard the letter yesterday? Um, I think it it resonated with me and I think it probably resonated with many other listeners about the experiences of LGBT people in the country um, and the lived experiences people have and the kind of... uh, challenges people face despite uh, all the progress we made. Um, I know from my, my work with LGBT Ireland, we kind of look at the research and we also uh, talk to people all the time about the kind of things that, that are happening in our society. And I think it's sometimes good just to paint that bigger picture and to paint the kind of context of what's happening. And, and we know from the research done by the Central Statistics Office that 33% of LGBT people had experienced discrimination in the previous two years. A- another report showed that 
75% uh, had, had been verbally abused due to being LGBT, while one in five have been punched, hit or physically attacked because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, and we also know that the three quarters of young people feel unsafe in school, which is really worrying findings and kind of signals to me that there are uh, serious issues that still need to be addressed. And in particular, I think around uh, hate crimes and hate incidents and what we saw in 2022, in total, there was 582 hate crimes reported to the Gardaí, up 30% on 2021. And we know that many more of those went unreported and, and, and undiscussed. So there's a real issue there around kind of a, a rise in, in hate and, and, and anti-LGBT sentiment. And I think there, there are a number of reasons for this. Um, but I think, firstly, it, it's really important, I think, to, to just note that, that these kind of hate crimes are, are signal crimes. Like they, they send out a signal to like an entire community that they're unsafe simply because of who you are. Um, and we often say that, as a result, hate crimes hurt us all and must be taken seriously. And, mm. and these include, you know, the, the verbal abuse, the harassment, the arsons, and, and up to very serious, uh, serious attacks that we've seen reported in Cork and Dublin and elsewhere. But I think there are... There are a number of reasons for this, and I think it's it's important to, that we get under some of the reasons and understand what's happening in our society at the moment, and how do we address it, and what are or some of the solutions. And I think, for me, I think there there are three real causes to this this rise in hate that we're seeing. And and firstly, I think Kate mentioned it previously, is this kind of this, this legacy of homophobia. You know, for the first seventy years of the state ex- existence, it was a crime for two men to have sex, and it, mm. and LGBT were condemned from the pulpit, we were, you know, ridiculed on television, arrested by the Gardaí, you know, and it was in my lifetime that we decriminalised homosexuality and I think that still has an impact on attitudes and on behaviours and on mindsets. You know, many people think that the marriage referendum solved all of our problems, but unfortunately that, that isn't the case, you know, it was really an important moment, but it didn't undo the, the decades of damage and yeah. the reality is, well, while we won the right to walk down the aisle, I think many of us still look over our shoulder as we walk down the street and I think that's that's an issue that we really need to address and we need to tackle that legacy of homophobia. But also I think there's, there's issue, modern issues around social media in particular. We, we've seen this this rise in online hate. Um, there was a report from, from the youth service from Belong To that showed that 87% of young LGBT people had experienced anti-LGBT hate or harassment on social media in the last year. And that's a huge number of our young people seeing anti-LGBT sentiment and, and hate online. And I think this is you know, a massively unregulated space. I think it's having a huge effect on our society and our politics. And I think it's something that we need to talk about nationally is like, how do we, how do we regulate social media? Because they're, they're not going to put in rules themselves. And I think we need to, to talk about that as a country about, uh, about the kind of uh, rules and regulations we have in social media. But I think that the third one and, and the one that we're, we're seeing, and, and we saw it uh, last weekend in Cork, we're seeing organized campaigns to roll back on the progress we've made by people who have extreme political views. You know, we've seen these really worrying campaigns to have LGBT books removed from libraries, not just here in Cork, but in Louth and in Dublin and in Limerick and elsewhere. And it, this is a big problem because LGBT is being categorised as other, it's being targeted, and this, this leads to bullying, harassment and violence. And I think it's important to also know that this anti-LGBT sentiment isn't happening in isolation. It's tied to the anti-migrant campaigns. It's tied to an anti-different sentiment, and ultimately, it's it's an attack on diversity. Um, and it's not just happening here. We've seen that it's happening. It's an international organised campaign that's happening uh, in other European countries, and we've seen similar campaigns uh, in in the US as well. But this legacy but result- of the, the legacy of homophobia, uh, these these campaigns we're watching, they're. they're they're spreading the fire that that is that legacy that hasn't changed in this country at at certain levels 
um, since the inception of the state. Like th- th- these, th- some of these protests are an incitement in, in, in the eyes of people who are terrified of what they're actually doing to their lives. Uh, they may not be physically assaulted, but it's an assault on their person. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's really really worrying. I, th- I think some of the stuff we, we saw we saw uh, like harassment. We've seen um, we've seen the intimidation of, of library workers, um, but also we, we've seen some, some very extreme things said about about LGBT people. And, and and this isn't about just one book. This is about uh, trying to to remove LGBT visibility from public spaces and trying to intimidate us and and trying to to, to roll back on some of the progress we've made. And it's. Uh, it's it's very worrying, and I, I think we need to take a, a strong stance against it. And I was, I was really disappointed um, to see a, a large banner erected over at the library and left there for hours mm. um, by the Gardaí and, and the City Council, and, and to see the library closed off by people who are protesting, and to see library workers intimidated and harassed. You know, libraries are, are, are so crucial. You know, they're cathedrals of learning. They're yes. one of the most important public services we have. And they're vitally important. Um, and to see library workers and, and libraries attacked in that way, um, I, I, yeah, I'm really angry about it. Mm. I think it's something we need to we need to take really seriously. You know, um, can, can I also that Padraig, if I could ask a question, I, I understand there's a guard investigation going on. This is in relation to the young boy in Dunboyne in County Meath, who. Um, who suffered a vicious uh, assault he, he, at, the, at the hands of school pupils in the area. That's not too long ago. And obviously, they, a number of them have been charged by the Gardaí. Um, what sort of a message does that send out to other young boys and young girls who want to be quite frank and want to be quite honest with who they are and how they feel about their lives, but they're now terrified to say anything? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it sends a, a really worrying message uh, to young people, and I think that's that's we have to um, we have to send out a, a message of solidarity to young people and, mm-hmm. and say, you know, things do get better, and 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 while these things happen, they're often isolated incidents, and um, one of the most empowering and liberating things you can do for yourself is to be true to yourself uh, and to come out and be open about it, and you'll find support within your family, within your wider friend group, and 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 also there's a really I think it's really important to say there's a, a brilliant LGBT community. And like for many of us, we found our family through the LGBT community, through support services like Link or the Gay Project. There's just uh, a brilliant community out there who support each other, who have great fun, as Kate was mentioning. You know, we have pride festivals. We have um, a really strong community. So I think for any young people, it, it's it's I, I would hope that conversations like this wouldn't prevent somebody from coming out and that's, mm. that's a real worry um, because it's, it's, it's one, of the, one of the best things you can do for yourself. I know in my own life, it was one of the most empowering things I could do. Um, for many of us, holding those secrets have a huge impact on your mental health and your well-being. So getting that burden off your chest is is really important and, and I think that's that's that is an important message for young people and also to know that there there are services and supports there is uh, LGBT youth groups like up Cork um, there's also belong to at a national level and then there's there's helplines and, and supports as well and um, my organization LGBT Ireland we run the national LGBT helpline and the people can call and we've a free phone number uh, 1800 929 539 if anybody wants to reach out just to talk or, or needs a listening ear and I think it's it's important to understand that, that those are there but um, 
But then we also have to be true about, we have to be frank about the realities and, and also say say to, to government and politicians listening that we need action, you know, like we need to see the hate crime bill passed and enacted. And beyond that, we need to see other measures that kind of prevent these, this, this, this hate and harassment, you know, things like uh, national awareness campaigns, education programs, and, and other measures that increase tolerance and acceptance and and tackle that kind of that deep-rooted homophobia because mm. these things don't get resolved overnight. So they, it's going to take a generation or two uh, to 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 do the learning and the understanding because yeah. you know issues around gender and sexuality they're complex uh, and I think there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, to ensure that we build a more inclusive Ireland for everybody. Okay, Padraig, great to talk to you and have a good weekend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bert. Thank you. That's Padraig Rice there, Policy and Research Manager, LGBT Ireland. Just coming back to um, that conversation I had earlier on um, in relation to energy costs and bills and overheads and going back to school and that. Linda says, I had nothing on my gas bill, but it turned out to be 80 euro last month. I messaged board gosh and they said that was correct. I even told them we hadn't even used it. Yeah, I think that's the rental, Linda. Uh, the rental has gone up. We rent gas and we rent electricity. So it doesn't matter what you use, that rental cost has to be paid. Sean McCarthy says, what a great point that lady makes. Basic needs, food, water, heat, shelter, shopping, gone crazy, energy prices quadrupled, housing crisis incredible. John says, I'd like to thank that lady for what she said about the water protests. It's not shouting and roaring at people that changed things. It's the passive but direct action. No violence that prevented the installers from doing what they were doing. It's one of the most effective things they will do. They will just regard marches as parades. Yeah, the water protests talk us so much we finally got what we deserved what we were entitled to and that was free water um i think you can you can you can go into a pub anywhere in ireland and ask for a glass of water it's your right that's what i've heard but similarly uh we showed people power and what our entitlement is when we protested against the the water meters um so i don't know maybe it's time to think about protests in relation to overheads, bills, utility bills. Yeah, we'll come back to that one, that's for sure. We'll take a break. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we speak to a North Cork organic farmer with a deep interest in biodiversity, soil health and sustainable food production. Patrick Frankel runs Kilbrack Organic Farm, a 145-acre farm in Donnerale County, Cork. His main focus is a wide range of organic vegetables with 45 crops throughout the seasons that are sold directly to consumers and also supplies many restaurants in Cork City. Patrick explains how his venture began. Probably going back to the the 80s my dad was a doctor in the village here and he decided to use less pesticides sprays chemicals all that uh interventions with the animal and it wasn't really organic as like at, at the time uh but he was going that way and then i think we were certified in 2002 organic uh so he was the originator along with my mother 
and I actually studied science and completed a degree in 2006 and then came to the farm uh, and I got into it then. Sustainable growing is an approach that can be sustained into the foreseeable future. A good way to visualise the difference is diversity. So if you look out your car window as you're driving along, you might notice hedgerows and open fields with grass in them or tillage fields with grain. And there's essentially only a few species growing there. Whereas sustainable growing would incorporate a really high diversity of plant species, bringing more life and soil health to the farm which Patrick sees as a blueprint taken from nature. If the climatic factors and the land is correct and you leave nature do its thing, it will be very diverse. And sustainable means that you can produce without soil degradation or habitat degradation, crops year on, maybe even improve the land. Uh, So I think in terms of how we're doing it, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of... Uh, like soil disturbance here, It'd be minimal tillage. Uh, we'd add a lot of uh, manure, anything to improve soil fertility. And it's essentially about keeping the soil really healthy. So the things that live in the soil, you're feeding them, not the plants. And just as a sort of interesting way to view that is if you have healthy soil, you dip a spoon, like a teaspoon into it, and you hold that up in front of your face there's more life forms in that teaspoon than humans on the planet so if you feed those like you know bizarre complex microscopic life forms uh, you'll tend to have really good crops and less disease you can make a difference by buying local food when it's in season and avoiding air freighted food Food miles is the distance food travels from production to when we consume it. Locally grown and seasonable food is more sustainable for the environment. If you go into a supermarket and you buy, let's say this time of year, Morse two peas, you might notice on the packet Peru or Spain. So essentially what's happened is someone has, you know, used fuel to harvest that, to refrigerate it, which requires energy. That's releasing carbon into the atmosphere. Then they've shipped it here or flown it here under refrigeration, then it's being stored at a depot, then distributed to the supermarkets. And then it ends up in the consumer's hands, whereas if you go direct, you skip out all those steps. Uh, So there's less fuel essentially required if it's electrical, fossil fuel, whatever it is. Uh, And that's, you know, someone was telling me once, whatever you're doing, just follow it to its logical conclusion before you make your decision. So if you pick up something with high food miles, just follow the chain and then you might feel, actually, you know, I don't agree with that. I'm going to look to see if I can find it locally. And like you mean, there's been crazy instances where Spain has been sending broccoli to England at the same time as England has been sending broccoli to Spain. They literally cross over in trucks along the roads in continental Europe. And there's food miles, you know, whereas like at this time of year, we can grow much too. We can grow the things that we're importing. I think if you just think about it enough, it's, it will encourage someone to be proactive. People today are becoming increasingly passionate about the food they eat and where it comes from. Knowing where your food comes from bridges the gap between farm to table. Having this connection develops a healthy relationship with food, allowing people to appreciate and respect that food is not indispensable. Patrick believes it's worth spending that extra time to learn where your produce comes from. I mean, what's going on is quite amazing. Some seriously good producers, you know, in small areas of land, it's possible to make a living. Uh, It's good to encourage that. Also, it's, it's a form of food security. It's a robust system. If there's any issues with transport or war even, like it more of 
people doing it in Ireland, the more access to food we'll have when we need it, especially with things like climate change and food miles. We're better off doing it here if we can. To learn more about sustainable food production, visit Kilbrack Farm online or check the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. Now, listener says, uh, Gareth, what's the story with the boil water notice? Is it ongoing? Yes, it is. Uh, 100,000 people continuing to boil their water. Um, 120 local authorities uh, who are members of the United Trade Union taking part in the three-day action, which began at midnight on Tuesday. So my advice to you would be continue to boil your water over the weekend. Uh, Don't take any chances on it, Okay, Cork City and County also affected. Now, here's something a bit different. All the way from El Salvador, Mario Oriana is on the line and he's looking for a place to stay in this mad, beautiful country of ours. Good morning to you, Mario. Good morning. You're out in the open there looking for somewhere to stay. Yeah, I've been looking for almost two weeks for a place to stay. Right now I'm looking for any place like a room, a flat or an apartment. But to be honest, it has been really hard, harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. are you, where are you um, from? I'm from El Salvador. Uh, that's a Latin American country. I came here with my wife, so we are looking for a place for the two of us. Uh, we came here as, uh, as English students, but we well, our idea is to, to study in proper English and, of course, getting a place and, uh, and a place to work. But, you know, in order to, to get all, all the things or the papers that we need, like the visa, the bank account, we need a, a place to stay. We're looking for a place in order to, we can keep moving on all these things that we need to do. So are you staying in a guest house? Well, we have been staying in a lot of places, to, to be honest. Okay. We have been staying on, on a hostel, uh, on a hotel. Somebody rents us a room just for a few nights. And right now we find a place at least for a week. In the meantime, we are looking for a for another place, you know, a long-term place, because this uh, place won't be available too long. So we'll need a, a better place. Where are you now? Uh, right now, we are working, trying to find a place on Bishoptown. Oh, in Bishoptown. We already checked on, on Cork City Centre, on Ballincollin. Right now, we are checking here on Bishoptown. We are checking on some uh, social media, as Facebook groups. And we have been checking some places here, asking some people, uh, check if there are some advertisements about a rent. Everything that can be an option. Why did you come to Ireland to study English? Was it because you heard good things about the country? To be honest, I have been dreaming about this country years ago with my wife since we met 10 years ago. We mentioned once that we want to, to travel and she, she, she asked where and I said Ireland. She already graduated from university and a friend of her came here like four years ago. She has been telling her that this is a beautiful place to stay. And finally, we take the courage to come here and take our chances. What is Salvador like compared to Ireland? Is there a major difference between the two countries? 
Yeah, there is a major difference about the weather, first of all. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> really nice. This is really cold. In El Salvador, it's so hot. Oh, oh my God. You can stop sweating there, <laughs> even in winter. Yeah, and the second of all, it would be that this is a really green country. As everyone mentioned, it's a really beautiful place to, to stay, to live, I think. Mm-hmm. I have been visiting a lot of cities. And what can I say? It's a lovely country. The only nightmare has been looking for a place to stay. Yeah. But I think uh, once we get a place to stay, we will be able to enjoy studying and enjoy uh, living here. Because I already have talked with a lot of people, uh, Irish people, and they have been really nice with us. Well, the reason it's so green is because it rains all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I, I really like that. That's good. That's good. Are you finding English a very difficult subject to study? Yeah, I have been studying English for a long time, but I, I never finished any course. So I was trying to to get here and improve my English and maybe like start a, a university career here. My wife already finished university. Excellent. Well, I hope you find a house and I hope you settle down and make Ireland your home. Uh, you sound like a great guy and I, I wish you and your wife all the best, Mario. We're going to keep looking and if someone is available to give us an option to rent, we will be happy to, to listen any option. Great. We're really thankful to be here and are you, on your country and I hope everything goes well. Some things come up. I hope it doesn't take too long, but I know some things will come up. Thank you, Mario. Take care of the two of yourselves. Thank you so much. Take care. It's been really nice talking to you. Bye-bye. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. PJ is back with you next Wednesday after his holiday. And uh, it's Gareth O'Callaghan here on the Opinion Line. Coming up to the August bank holiday weekend. And we'll be back with you as well on Tuesday morning. Uh, if you care to join us. So I uh, hope you're looking forward to the weekend. There's been great activity, not just with horse racing at the Galway races this week, but also with some of the beautiful fashion which was on parade over the last couple of days. And there's surely no better way to enjoy the first ever trip you make to Ladies' Day at the Ballybrid Racecourse than to walk away with the prize of Best Dressed Lady. And I'm looking at two photographs here in the papers today. Uh, Maritess McCarthy celebrating in her outfit at the Ballybrit Racetrack in Galway and Anne-Marie Corbett who took home the Best Hat Award on Ladies' Day yesterday. Uh, Despite the weather, it was a wonderful occasion. The colours were magnificent and elegance was uh, the order of the day. And I've got Maritess on the phone right now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Gareth. I am so thrilled to be talking to you right now. I'm smiling while listening to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm look- looking at the field. <laughs> I'm looking at the photograph of you here, and uh, it's, yeah. it's it's in all of the newspapers today. It's, uh, I'm just looking at um, the Echo, both you and Anne Marie um, on show, as it were, with the, the beautiful outfits that you wear. 
Um, You must be delighted because you you are, by day, uh, you're a... Uh, let me, I'm, I'm thinking now, it's a, a cardiothoracic <laughs> nurse, aren't you, at CUH? That is correct, yes, that is correct. Um, Theatre nurse, you can call it. <laughs> right. So mm, yeah. it must have been, it, did it come as a shock to you when you won? It was. Um, it hasn't sunk in yet, actually. No, this morning, it's starting to feel like, oh, yes, I did. But yesterday, I was just so happy. I thought the day would be so long, but it flew. Mm. The only reminder from yesterday that it's actually in old days, my feet were killing me. <laughs> <laughs> right. What was the weather like? It didn't look great. Um, at some point, there was a bit of shower, but in general, the sun was shining. There was some wind, which is okay, but we were under the tent, so it was all good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, afternoon and the evening. Yeah. Anne-Marie Corbis there. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi, how are you? Thank uh, you for having me. Oh, pleasure. And congratulations to you. I love the hat. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, all of the newspapers covering it today, and of course social media uh, gone haywire with the beautiful photographs. Tell me where the idea for the hat came and how long it took to create. It's a beautiful hat. The colours are just beautiful. Yeah, it is, it's, it is a fabulous hat. Thank you so much. I um, I always follow all the trends on social media and um, they were actually advertising the horse show. So at the time, I was actually um, I was just scrolling on the social media, and they were advertising the double horse show um, on the Intercontinental Hotel for next week. And I saw this fabulous hat, and I said, "Oh my god!" I said, "That really is." I said, "A showstopper." I said, "For Galway." Um, it's called so, the, it's called the firecracker hat. It's called the firecracker hat. Yeah, and there's only actually one made of them. There won't be a second one. So when I heard that, I was like, "Oh, I have to get that hat." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And how much did it cost? Can I ask? The hat was it was pricey, but I think it was it, it paid off. Obviously, yesterday it was eight ninety altogether. Yeah, uh, it is. It's stunning. It really, really is. Um, it's so unique and so unusual. Now, I'm I'm glad I'm glad there was no wind there actually yesterday because I said that could have been a bit of a problem. Yeah, the photographer did mention that actually. He said it. You know, he said you're just about looking because it was at one stage. It was quite um, you know, it was. It was quite wet, or you know, at one stage it was quite breezy. Mm. But luckily, thank God, the the, sh- the sun shone then towards the end, so I was delighted. Can you describe it for me? Um, because I know this is radio, so we 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 lack the visual impre- yeah. impact. No problem. So yeah. it's a firecracker hat. So it's all different colours. So you have a, a bright red. Um, you have a bright red. You have a bright yellow, and it's like loads of colours, vibrant colours at you. So you have yellow, you have orange, and you have red. And then there's like branches coming up from the hat and uh, branches and will be kind of gold. So they're all gold. And it looks in if you're kind of have gold on your eye as well. So I kind of, I decided that I put gold makeup on the eye just to kind of give it more of a, a firecracker kind of um, a feel, you know. Mm. <laughs> so that was basically it. Yeah. Marites, can you describe your outfit for us, please? Because I know it, it came all the way yeah. from the Philippines, yeah. didn't it? That's right. Yeah, as you all know, I'm from the Philippines. So I said I wanted something unique and elegant. And I always have this color in mind. I always love red. That's why I live in Cork. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said, okay, uh, I go to the Philippines and um, I'll pick my, my outfit there. So the top is made of a sheer silk cocoon. It's sort of like a traditional dress there. 
um, there is a hand-painted front, and also it's buttoned up. And the skirt is made of a Mikado fabric. It's a heavier type of silk. And that's that skirt was very long, so I only got it altered midi size. Um, last point, last minute. Right. And that was from... Um, yeah. And my... Uh, it wasn't and, and from that's El- from, Elizabeth Christina that's also and, and and my hat, my hat especially now is made by Elizabeth Christina. Yeah. And also actually last Friday my cats got into the box and they chewed some parts of the, the hat and the feather. So Elizabeth was on holiday, so I texted her, I said, I'm so sorry, I said something happened to the hat. So I, I've got to tell her. And I told her that the cat chewed some parts of the hat. So then, oh, my God, she said, oh, OK, come see me tomorrow and we'll go fix it. And I'm glad that uh, she fixed it anyway for me. And it went well afterwards. That's It's wonderful. I, 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 and you know, this is a bit of a sweep for Cork, really, isn't it? Because uh, you're in Douglas... Marites and uh, Amory, you're in yes, Mitchellstown, yes. aren't you? Yes, oh, it, it agrees. Double cork wins. So. Wonderful. A cork yeah. sweep on the day of high fashion, eh? That's for sure. <laughs> so, what, I mean, these, the, particularly with the hats, for both of you, the hats are so unique. Um, Anne Marie, yeah. w- w- will, will you go to the, the Dublin Horse Show wearing the hat now next week, or what will you do? Oh, I hope so. I hope to go to the Dublin Horse Show next week. I love the Dublin Horse Show. Yeah. Uh, will I wear the firecracker hat? I, I possibly might wear the firecracker hat, but I, I might have another hat as well that I that I might wear instead. You know, so uh, yeah. But I, I definitely would love the horse show. The yeah. horse show is fantastic. It's yeah. an amazing event. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, it's it's lovely talking to the two of you, and congratulations. And are you there in Galway for a couple of days now? Yeah, I am here in Galway. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Marites. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, we're here in Galway today. We're going back to Cork later on. I say probably about after lunchtime, right? Um, and then stay back, in Cork. Then. Back to work. <laughs> back to work. Back to work. I love working. By the way, I love my colleagues there. Oh, they're probably listening right now. So I got to say yeah. hello to my colleagues in yeah. Cork University Hospital and Theatre. They're all amazing people. Yeah. What a great team of people. Anne Marie, congratulations again. And uh, are you staying on for the rest of the racing, or are you you coming Thank home? You. I'm actually, I'm going racing with my auntie Anna and even more family today at the races. And so we're looking forward to that and just won't be racing. And then we'll head back to the real capital then on Saturday. So, yeah. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Thank you both very much. Congratulations Thank you. again. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Cheers. That's Maritess McCarthy, um, who's living in Douglas, and Anne-Marie Corbett from Mitchellstown. Um, great news and congratulations and uh uh, it's it's just it's it's I think it's lovely we've had so much bad news in you know recent times it's just wonderful to be able to congratulate our own on on uh, on winning these fabulous prizes join the conversation this is the opinion line with hidden hearing changing lives with the latest hearing health technology they're all ears visit hiddenhearing.ie Quartz 96 FM Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10am to 2pm. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Now, uh, we were talking about the weather earlier earlier on and um, it looks as if we're going to be in for very, very heavy rain. This evening, very windy tomorrow, but drier. That's if you're staying here in Cork City 
Clare County for the weekend. If you're moving around the country or you're holidaying elsewhere in Ireland, uh, most of the bad weather is going to be towards the north, northwest, up along the west coast with very, very windy and wet weather tomorrow in Dublin. That's up along the east coast. So that's it in a nutshell. Sunday, it's going to be good weather. Monday, pretty good as well. So the best parts of the bank holiday, hopefully still to come. Now, we read a letter yesterday. Many of you have been contacting us for various reasons based on the effect listening to uh, this individual. He's gay and he he basically recounted what it was like to grow up in Ireland as a young gay man, but he couldn't tell anybody that he was gay for fear of, I suppose, all sorts of reasons. He couldn't tell anyone in his family for fear of rejection. And he lived this life. It was like a a double life where he came in for awful verbal abuse at school because people suspected he was gay, including one of his school teachers who gave him a really, really tough time. And then he's talking about looking back and his impressions of not being able to live his real life to the full until he felt comfortable about coming out and about telling people and how that, that itself had an effect on his life. Um, it was a fascinating letter, passionate, uh, sad, but one filled with hope and one filled with uh, with optimism, I suppose. Um, and uh, I've got Lorcan Strain on, uh, who's uh, a well-known actor. Uh, morning to you, Lorcan. Good morning. How's it going? Things are going well, and they're going, going very well for you. The Glass Menagerie at the Everyman until August 26th. It's going well for you? Yes, it's going very well. We had our first previews this week and we open on Saturday night. So it's all a go, go, go. This is a play by Tennessee Williams, for those who don't know, and it explores the struggles Mm -hmm. of uh, a family who are all over the place, really, as they confront their illusions and desires in (laughs) 1930s St. Louis, which is, is fascinating, isn't it? Oh, it's an amazing play by an amazing playwright. And Tennessee Williams was actually an openly gay man himself. And this is one of his most autobiographical plays, which is very interesting. So you can see the homosexual undertones coming in um, throughout the story. They're not avert, but um, they're definitely, they definitely exist. So it's really fun to be a part of this because he was really groundbreaking as a queer artist at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't even premiere the play in America where he was from. He premiered it in London, actually. Um, so the play kind of highlights the need to escape. You know, he's this like tortured soul, this tortured artist, possibly a gay man who has to like leave his family in order to be able to express himself, which is a very common story for most of us queer people. And mm. going back to the letter you were talking about, um, that's what that young individual spoke about as well. Um, needing to get away from your past in order to be your true self. And when you get away from your past, Dorkin, do you get away from the people in your past? Um, I suppose it just depends on individual experience. You know, I'm very lucky to have a lovely, supportive family who have always accepted me and who I am. Um, It didn't stop any of the usual bullying or slurs or anything like that when I was in school. Um, but I definitely have a really good family that protects me. So I'm lucky that I didn't have to leave my life behind. But I definitely did feel like an alien growing up in Donegal, that there was no place there for me. Um, and now going back, I actually really love it. Mm. It's like I've reclaimed that past, you know. And where did the bug for acting on the stage, when did you know that you had this this passion, this this talent? 
Ah, well, sure. My mommy says I was dancing in the womb. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I kind of always had it. Um, My dad's a musician, so I used to always sing along with him when he'd play the guitar. And then I think I was nine years old and the local musical society were doing Oliver, but you had to be 12 to audition. And I was like, mom, I want to do it. I want to do it. And my parents didn't think I'd get into it at all and went for the audition, bagged it. And done all, was played Oliver Twist when I was nine, and that was it. From that day on, I was like, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life." <laughs> and that alone changes your life forever, doesn't it? That first appearance on stage in front of an audience. Oh, of course it does. Um, just that feeling—it's like a drug, I suppose. Acting is um, any sort of performances, and you get addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a great way to express yourself as well. Going back to the theme of escapism. For me, that was where I could express myself freely and truly and um, without judgment, you know. We, we were talking to Padraig Rice earlier. I don't know whether you got a chance to listen um, from LGBT Ireland. He was talking about the legacy of homophobia. And what are your okay. feelings on that? When you look back, one thing I mentioned to him was that, uh, and, and, and also to Kate Moynihan, was that much of that letter that we read yesterday is still very relevant today because not a lot has changed in terms of that legacy of homophobia, has it? No, not at all. Um, It's always going to exist. Um, If you think about it, there's still countries in the world where being gay is completely illegal. So, like, until there's a basic human right and understanding across the whole world, homophobia is always going to exist. And, like... If you really think about it, homophobia stems from misogyny. You know, it's a fear of femme. It's a fear of um, of the unknown. And with the rise of the far right and people trying to stop, um, like, queer literature, queer texts in libraries, you see what's going on in Cork Library there at the minute. Um, It's just going to make it even worse because the only way to stop it is through education and representation. And if we take out all of the resources, then we're never going to be able to nip it in the bud and end homophobia. Yeah. And a point, a very important point he made in the letter that we read yesterday was that it's important for not just for gay people or for people from the LGBTQ plus community, but for everybody to feel safe in, of all places, our libraries, because that's where that's where we learn. And he said that if that resource had been available to him as a young child, that perhaps he would have been able to circumnavigate the pain that he went through as a, as a young boy. He would have learned from the material that was in the library. Possibly not back then, but he was saying that's the importance of having this literature available now. Definitely, definitely. It is so important to see yourself represented in media and in art. Like, you know, growing up, um, I never knew who I was. I had never met a gay person. I The only um, association I had with the words were all negative. There was no... Um, positive things to be said about being gay it was a slur and now I perform as a drag artist as well Marion Mary the sixth and I do drag story time and we know how that's being met in the media these days and um, for me it's just so important because if those stories affect one child if one person sees themselves in it then it's worth it like we lose so many queer children to suicide and 
mostly that's because they think they're alone you know going back to that letter that letter didn't shock me that letter is not unique that story is not unique um i'm also writing a show at the minute for the dublin fringe called songs of days and i'm collecting stories from queer people who grew up in the countryside under the catholic church and this is just a common thread we've all had the same lived experience but we're made feel like we're the only ones going through that so the representation when we when it's there it will it can save lives so why do, why do many people on the far right feel that they have this sense of entitlement to dictate to you um, how you live your life because they haven't been educated in it because they weren't given the right literature to read yeah. they they were they don't have the same lived experience when you don't know people like us people are afraid of anything that's different and like at the end of the day we still eat we still breathe we still bloody fart you know we're all the exact same it doesn't matter who you want to hold hands with walking down the street or or who you want to kiss or who you want to invite into your bedroom at night we're still human you know and i think they just don't know enough of us um to make that judgment and I, I know one, one of one of my best friends, I've worked with him for decades now, and um, he, he came out, I think, when he was 16 years of age. But, uh, you know, he, he talks about the importance for gay people, particularly in this climate of homophobia that we unfortunately still live in, that it's, it, knowledge is so important, that education is vital to mm-hmm. your peace of mind, that you, you've almost got to arm yourself with information and education. Would you agree with that? I definitely would agree with it, yeah, because um, knowledge is power. <laughs> it really is, not to make it all capitalist, but um, yeah, the more you know, the more you can understand. What are your plans for the future, Lorcan? I, I know acting, it's its very, very much in your blood now. Do you see yourself mm-hmm. moving away? Do you see yourself travelling? Um, well, I kind of travel around all the time now. Um, I'm based between London and Ireland at the minute. Um, so I don't know. I kind of take it day by day, to be honest. Um, as I said, I perform loads in drag and I perform in acting. And as long as I just still get the opportunities to perform, I'll be delighted. But yeah, I would love to travel more with it too. Well, good luck with um, the play, The Glass Menagerie by uh, Tennessee yeah. Williams at the Everyman and it opens on Sunday, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It opens on Sunday, and we have a fantastic cast and crew. Everyone is so amazing, and we put our blood, sweat, and tears into the play. So please do come along and see it. Um, it's an amazing adaptation. Great. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, Lorcan. Lovely to talk to you as well. Have a lovely day. You Happy too. Pride. And you, and have a great weekend. Thank you. I will do. Thanks for the chat. Thanks bye a lot. Bye bye now. Lorcan Strain, their actor, you'll catch him in the Glass Menagerie starting. It's opening Sunday night, actually, at the Everyman, and it runs until August 26th. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM.
FM. All right then, Friday, the bank holiday weekend. There's plenty of music going on live uh, all over the country, but one of the biggest events this weekend is, is Independence, which is taking place in Mitchellstown. And uh, as I say, the weather tonight's not great, but then again, we've got a fantastic bit of sunshine across the weekend. That's what we've been told by uh, Alan Kelly from Carlo Weather earlier on this morning. And uh, I'm joined by all the young people from the radio station. <laughs> I do feel that little bit older, a little bit older. Um, Lorraine and Ross and Mairead, uh welcome to my show this morning. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful to have you all. Such a lovely family. Tell me a little bit about the festival, first of all. What's happening? It's one of our favourite festivals of the year. It's the weekend that we all look forward to here at Cork's 96 FM. Independence in Mitchellstown. It's been going for years and years and years. Three days of incredible acts to look forward to. It's all kicking off uh, today. you got the likes of the Coronas on stage. you got Belters Only, who've been doing massive things over the last 12 to 18 months. You've got uh, Jazzy as well. Uh, Anne-Marie taking to the stage tomorrow, yeah. which I cannot wait for. You've got Inhaler as well. you got the likes of Two Door Cinema Club. Kean DeCrow, the man of the moment. He's been in Cork all week. He was doing a, a live performance in town last night. I don't know, is he going to bring a flash mob with him? We hope he will, but he's going to be taking to the stage as well at Indy this weekend. And it's all kicking off this evening. So we're getting our wellies, we're getting our rain gear, we're getting everything ready because it's all sorts of weather to be expected. Yeah, it is. I think it's going to clear up though pretty early tomorrow. I think it's good for tomorrow and the sun is going to shine tomorrow. A little windy tomorrow as well. Uh, but I think this is the only big music festival in the country this weekend. So we can expect people from all over the... All over. And every year that we go, they you meet people from all over Munster, all over the country as well. They come down from Tipperary, I suppose, Mitchellstown being on the border. They're so close to care and all the tip towns. They come from Limerick, they come from Dublin. They all love it. They love coming down to Cork for, for the three days. So mm. we're buzzing for it. We can't wait. Yeah, Mairead, you're going to take your journalist cap off for the weekend, yeah? A little bit. I might do a bit of a mix, I think. You yeah. know, Swapping yeah. the journalist cap for the bucket hat. <laughs> I brought in all the notes here. I'm like, it started in 2006. I'm like, where do I go? But it's it's amazing. Like, you know, it started, it is starting in 2006 and they started Shane Dunstead in the town square and they took over the, the uh, Mitchellstown Music Festival and look what it's grown into. It's moved yeah. from the town square. It's where it's at now. And it's just such an amazing uh, setup. I've never actually been to the festival while it's on. I went, the usual journalist, like visit the day before it starts, you know, mm. and to get the round up and see what's happening, but never there for the real thing. So this year I'm doing it a little bit differently and I'm really excited for it. But I just realised I, ne- I didn't bring any wellies with me. So I Rookie have these mistake, little you ankle see, socks. That is the action of someone who hasn't been to the festival before. Rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah. There's loads happening though. We're going to be there uh, where 96FM are going to be. We're going to be uh, backstage. We're going to be hanging out in the artist area, which means we are going to bring all of the exclusives. We're hopefully going to be rubbing shoulders with lots of the stars and bringing back loads of interviews, loads of goss and the inside scoop. I want to know what's on everybody's rider. What are they going to be having? What are they going to be eating? The snacks and everything backstage. Uh, So we're going to be catching up with all of them. So make sure you're with us for the next uh, three days because we're going to be bringing all the goss from backstage at Indy. That's brilliant. Is, Is Ross around now? No, he's not. No, I thought he'd be. He's somewhere. outside dossing. He's he outside. Is, yeah, yeah. He said he'd well, leave it to us. <laughs> can you give just this is interesting, really? Like you've you've got a lot of people who are packing stuff to get here for the weekend. So, what advice would you give? What to pack? Obviously, bring plenty of different weather gear. Oh yeah, you're going to need a bit of everything. But my my one advice from going to festivals is socks. Bring as many socks yeah. as you can because I think once you're once you've got dry socks, you're 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 good at a festival. Yeah. Uh, loads of socks. Bring loads of spare 
clothes, really. That's it. Go bring the rain gear as well. Bring the ponchos. You're going to need it over the weekend. It's an Irish festival, so we can always expect dodgy weather, you know. Yeah. So just just dress for the weather and you'll be fine. You'll yes, have a there's a lot of camping that. going on, yeah? Yeah, a load of camping. And it's open now since 10am this morning. So people have been landing on with their tents and their bits and bobs and I think toilet roll was one thing that people were saying you know bring an old spare roll with you you oh just God, never yeah. know when that might come yeah. in handy and yeah sun and cream as well and please keep the toilet roll dry whatever about your socks <laughs> yeah. a bit of sun cream as well just in case you know you never know what, what kind of yeah. weather will pop out so there's yeah and I remember talking to, to Shane Dunn at the launch a few months ago and he said it brings such a boost as well to the town itself even last year on the Sunday because he said there's like all the generations go te- you know the younger people tend to be the ones to camp out but you can get day passes as well so so people of all generations come along either of the nights and uh, he said on the Sunday last year mass traffic had to be redirected because there was such a crowd in the town before they headed up to, to Indy. So it just brings such a, a number of people into Mitchellstown and he spoke about the shops as well that you know if the minute there's a bit of rain and people haven't brought the right gear they're straight down into the town and they literally someone sold, sold something that they had on display in the shop window that had been there for years and years and they actually sold it because people were so desperate. Oh, no, so really, yeah. yeah if you're still at home when you're packing your bag just you know maybe take one yeah. last look 14 pubs at Mitchellstown so they'll, they'll all be very happy this weekend just a little bit of advice from my days when I used to camp at Fela do you remember the Fela Festival in Thurlis and Tipperary before you before you take your first drink pitch your tent Okay. Very solid advice, Garrett. Thank solid you. advice. That's perennial advice. That <laughs> kind of goes back to the days of the Old Testament. Whatever you do, do not drink until you've pitched your tent and then and this is kind of modern talk now, take a photograph of your tent and where it is. Oh, that's genius, actually. Well, I've never thought of that. Very, very good, that's very wis- good. That's wisdom. Yeah. That's wisdom. That comes with age. <laughs> it comes with age. Have a brilliant weekend. Thank you. If and I can just mention as well, for anybody do. that is coming down to Indy this weekend, new to this year's festival is the Indy VIP Garden, where DJs from Cars 96 FM are going to be spinning the tunes over the next oh, three days. Simon Murdoch is going to be down there. You got uh, Mia Poland. You got Brendan O. You got Ken Parrott. We got Emmett Dunley. We're going to have an absolute ball. So if you are coming down, make sure to check out the brand new uh, Indie VIP Garden where Cork's 96 FM are going to be regulars there over the weekend. So That's we can't good. wait for buzzing. Okay. I just want to clarify that point about taking a picture of your tent. Take a picture of the tents around your tent as well. <laughs> There's no point just taking a picture of your tent, okay? And keep your phone dry. Now, um, some more of your comments on topics we've been discussing actually over the last couple of days in relation to... Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. We were talking about talking about what was quintessentially Cork. So, if you were heading away to meet your sister or to visit your mum and dad or to to see your kids, and they were abroad, what would you bring with them? That is just it. It, it replicates what Cork life is all about. Uh, Mick says a bottle of Raza. Yeah, that's true. I'd never heard of Raza before I moved to Cork. Um, also, caller says, buy some welly boots and an umbrella <laughs> case instead of Turkish delights. They'll thank you more in the end. Um, and also, some other comments in relation to the cost of living. I was talking to one of our listeners this morning about how we are literally on our knees when it comes to trying to afford everything that we need to pay for. Sean McCarthy says what a great lady that lady makes uh, what a great point that lady makes. Basic needs food, water, health, shelter, shopping gone crazy. Uh, Energy prices quadrupled. Housing crisis incredible. Now and we were talking about the Bowow Bridge there on Church Road in Douglas yesterday. This was the one that the 20, the number 20 bus got stuck under back in 2020 
and um, it's a pity kind of bleak looking very greyish dull bridge and wall around the area we were trying to figure out how we were going to sort of brighten it up we were talking to Keith Anderson about a mural he might paint uh, to make it look very very bright and attractive caller says I think the tram's arriving in Douglas plenty of photos of that to be used as a stencil um um let me see the Douglas Court Clock Tower yeah uh, the queue at KC's yeah good one as well we'll come back to a few more of those uh, something I noticed this morning um, Limerick is about to get its first directly elected mayor and we mentioned this last week and we were wondering how you would feel here if Cork was to have its first directly elected mayor well in the Irish Times this morning there's more information being uh, sort of delivered as to what the mayor will be doing and as to what he will be paid. Now, wait till you hear this. The brand new directly elected mayor of Limerick will be paid just under €152,000 per year. Nice money if you can get the gig. He'll have a staff of up to five people. He must not have another job that would interfere with their role under the plans for setting up the office. The government intends to hold the first election for a mayor of Limerick City and County next June. So you'll have a combined role. This will be at the same time as the local and European elections. The proposed legislation to create the office was published yesterday. The local government mayor of Limerick bill 2023. And it sets out all the rules for candidates in the mayoral election campaign, how the office will work the multi-stage process for removing mayors on the grounds of misbehaviour or failure to perform functions and uh, it sets a a limit of €72,100 on the election expenses that can be incurred by or on behalf of a candidate. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and how he gets on in his year of office Uh, And I would imagine, I don't know whether he'll just have one year in office or whether it will be um, more than that, but it's it's all being put together at the moment. So if you were interested perhaps in running for it, uh, what would attract you to the job apart from the money, the pay, the wages? 152,000 per year. Now, better than the Rose of Tralee, which is coming up very shortly, the Nose of Tralee is selecting the most beautiful of our four-legged doggy friends each year. And the Cork Nose this year is Willow. And Willow has kindly agreed to let Natasha Kelleher speak to us. Morning to you, Natasha. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well. How is Willow? You know, she's sitting next to me now, relaxing on the couch, and she's wondering when are we going for a walk. So soon. <laughs> right, and so this this is um, this is the Cork candidate, isn't it? For uh, Willow's the Cork yeah. candidate for the nose of Tralee. How did you manage to to get Willow through to the final selection now? So the nose of Tralee has been. Um, running for the last 10 years through PetStitiesIreland.com and through Tesco Ireland. So this year I decided, it came across on my feed and I decided to enter her into it. So it began with um, public voting. So it was, she was up against hundreds and hundreds of dogs or pets actually, it's a pet competition, not just dogs, throughout Ireland. And she was selected as the top three for Cork. So she was selected for the county top three. And then the judges put her forward then to represent Cork. So here we are now representing Cork up against 31 other amazing pets throughout Ireland. And um, yeah, we're just hoping to bring to bring the win home for Cork this year. Tell me a little bit about Willow. How long have you had Willow? 
So Willow is a four-year-old chocolate Labrador. We've had her since she was a puppy, a friend of ours. and Their dog had puppies, so we ended up getting Willow. And she has changed our lives in more ways than we can imagine. So we've always had small dogs. We've, we've always had little Westies. So she's our first bigger dog, even though she's quite petite. And she has just made the biggest difference in our household, especially to my brother Ian, who has intellectual disabilities and even though she's not trained to do anything, but obviously the intelligence of a Labrador is just remarkable. Like she's his shadow. She watches everything. She follows him everywhere. And the two of them are just two best buddies. It's it's adorable to watch. It really, really is. What is it that makes the Labrador so, so lovable? It's just, it's the breed, obviously. Like, I mean, I've always had dogs, always had Westies and I have come across lots of dogs over the years that I would have been involved with. But the Labradors are just on a different level and only because I've experienced it firsthand. The intelligence is just, it's remarkable. It really, really is. And they're just really in tune with people. They watch everything, they take everything in and they're just little gentle giants, really. They're, they're just so special and they, they are. I'm just looking at her now. She's after coming across to the couch to me. Um, but um, yeah, they're just they're a different different level of intelligence completely in comparison to a smaller dog. Now I know you you mentioned there that Willow has made Ian's life so so different, so wonderful. Yeah. In in, in what way? Just with the the friendship she has provided him has been remarkable. Um, she is. Any time that like he'll go to day services during the day and as soon as he comes home, everyone else has forgotten about. She is literally she's all about Ian. The doorbell goes and she's straight at the door with her tail wagging for him to come in and see everything. If he's like, Willow, let's go here or he goes into another room, she'll go straight into the other room. So just for more companionship and giving him the encouragement and giving him the just the boost to get out there and he'll, you know, he'll he'll confident confidently walk her and play with her and just has a lot more confidence with dogs and it's just the spark that she brings out in him is just it's it's, it's gorgeous to watch it really really is when where, where did you get willow from and um, just a friend of ours and um, they they were breeding their their dogs so um they were purebred labradors and they had all the health checks done and everything so we knew like with willow because obviously with labradors you can have a few health issues if they're not from the right line so we knew she was coming from a good line so we were delighted to to take one on and bring her into our lives and this is the this is the ninth is it the ninth year? Um, it's the tenth year, actually. Yeah, right. no, it's actually the tenth year of the nose okay. actually. So I have, I had heard about it over the years, hadn't paid too much attention to it, and then this year I just looked a bit more into it and decided, you know what, I think Willow deserves to to compete this year because she is such a special dog, and I, I love to show other people how special she is to us, and even anyone she meets out and about, um, all the time with that, outside of this whole campaign and outside of this competition, she. Just just, she's infectious. She uh, she definitely works her way into people with her eyes and her calmness and her calm nature and everything. So she's a special little dog. Oh, that's beautiful. And so when when will we know if Willow is the winner? 
So the competition is running from now until 21st of August. So it's um, daily voting over on Pet Sitters Ireland or over on our Instagram at Daisy Boo and Friends. And then on the 22nd of August, Pet Sitters will hold a Facebook Live and announce the winner. So hopefully Cork will, will get it and Willow will be crowned the champion this year. Deservedly. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes, we think so too. And um, uh, Willow, by the way, is an avid Lee Valley swimmer. Oh, she is, because we live out this way. So from a puppy, we would have been doing our walks and I wouldn't have pushed her into the water because I didn't want to give her fear. Yeah. But over time, she built up the confidence, started with one little paw and then we had four paws. And then before we knew it, she was out swimming. So during the calmer months, so probably about nine months of the year, you'll catch her swimming the Lee Valley and um, she absolutely loves it. You can't get her out of it. But then come the winter, she knows herself. The water's a bit rough, it's a bit colder. So she'll happily walk alongside it. Great, Natasha. Lovely to talk to you and our love and best oh, wishes thank to you Willow. So much. Great to chat to you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank, thank you. you. That's Bye. Willow Cork's entrant in the Nose of Tralee Festival and uh, we'll be cheering Willow on and hopefully Willow will be the loveliest dog in Ireland. Uh, our congratulations again to Meritess McCarthy from Douglas uh, who walked away with the prize of best dressed lady at the uh, at Ladies' Day in Ballybrid in Galway at the races yesterday and the best hat prize was a lovely Cork sweep won by Anne-Marie Corbett from Mitchellstown um, a, a day of high fashion for sure in very uh, unfortunate weather but that's that's the way isn't it I mean the Galway races some some years you get the most beautiful weather or the years it's almost like the middle of November but it doesn't take away from the excitement and the enjoyment just to remind you again the boiling water notice stays in place from what we hear it seems to be very confusing some people are hearing that it's over um, we haven't heard it's over so the best thing to do is to continue to boil your water before you actually drink it now um a couple of your comments from uh, items that we covered during the week. We were talking to Tommy Gould from Sinn Féin uh, about a report that has been released on the number of uh, council homes um, around the city that are literally in bits. You're talking about um, dry mould, damp, you're talking about broken windows, leaking, uh, rat-infested attics um, and pipe work that needs to be replaced. And Margaret says, what Tommy Gould said is so right. We live in Willowbank, Upper Fair Hill. They're beautiful houses built in 1999, 24 years ago. All our windows are falling out. We have drafts, we have mould. If they replace the windows now, we won't have as many problems in the future. My point is correct the damage before it gets out of control. A stitch in time. Thank you for reading it. Thanks, Margaret. We were also talking about environmental... Um, health officers and food inspectors entering premises such as, you know, coffee coffee trucks, uh, restaurants, bars that sell food. One caller says, I work in public health. There's huge food poisoning incidents and customers ending up in hospital um, with serious illness due to improperly stored and cooked food. We talked to Morris yesterday. He was talking about steak tartare. It's his favourite. And this caller says, this dish carries a high risk of E. coli 0157. The EHOs want to work with and not against food businesses to keep customers safe. They don't want to close places and they go to every length not to. 
Um, Neve says, I'm a consultant nutritionist specialising in food law. I work primarily with restaurants and hospitals regarding implementation of nutritional analysis and allergen labelling. I have to wholeheartedly agree with Morris, who you spoke to yesterday, your EHO guest. He's spot on. I've been dealing with EHOs for over 10 years now. Uh, They're a strange bunch, very rude to food operators, highly inconsistent in their approach. Some of the EHOs really don't understand the regulations themselves. I spoke to a barrister recently who advises on food safety matters at EU level, and they described EHOs as hysterical public servants. Great description. Thanks, Gareth. Love the show. Thank you for that, Neve. Uh, That's almost all the time we have for today and indeed this week. Please support Carrigaline Firefighters, their demonstration tomorrow, Saturday, 2 o'clock. It's outside Carrigaline Fire Station. Park up, drop by, call in, say hello. They'd be delighted to have a chat with you while they're protesting. And that's from Shane. Thank you, Shane, and to everybody there in uh, all of our fire stations around the city and county this weekend. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96.